Today's episode was brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter code KINDAFUNNYGAMES at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 44 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by the coolest dudes in video games, Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller. Hi. Hello. Oh, man. Today's going to be a good one. Is it? Yeah. There's a lot of research put into this one. More so than normal, I would say. You go to Wikipedia? By that, I meant there's a lot of copy and pasting of articles that I'm going to have to read at some point. But there was a lot. There was Mm. a lot of facts and Mm. details that I didn't want to just kind of be like saying words and not really know what I'm talking about. Instead, I'm going to say someone else's words. And they definitely knew what they were talking gotcha. about. Gotcha. So I'll sound a lot smarter. Gotcha. Right. Smart. You know what I should do? I should just go back and just read all of Colin's articles. Mm. Just aloud. Mm. Then I'm just like, yeah. Like is it like old ones from IGN? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why the hell would Did anybody you... want to know about what's happened on the fucking... Here's what I've heard about the NGP. <laughs> like, No, nobody yeah. cares. Yeah. Care about the NGP. <laughs> no one knows what it is. No one knows what it could be. New game portable. Next generation portable. New game portable. Wow, you're really you a disgrace. You're a first. This is a show where every week we talk about video games and why we love video games game and what's portable. going on in video games and all that stuff. If you like it, you can go over to patreon.com slash games, throw, throw a few dollars our way, and that can get you the show early every week and get you exclusive episodes every month. That's pretty damn cool. I said this last week, and I'll say it again. The episode I did with Colin one-on-one where I interview him about his gaming history. One of my favorite things we've done so far, so you should definitely check that out. If you don't want to give us money, that's cool. YouTube.com slash games. Every week you'll get this show, topic by topic, on the YouTubes. Until the last day, you'll get the full video, or you can go to iTunes.com slash kindoffunny, get it in audio form so you can listen to it and let it just dance with your 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 inner inner ear workings, and that'll be a fun thing to do. And then maybe you'll hear Greg talk about the new game portable. Mm-hmm. And it'll be good. I prefer to just go back and read Colin's articles because they're actually the correct. Yes. Okay. So what have you guys been playing? That. I don't know what you call it. It's the next generation portable. That's what I said the second time, but I think new game portable is okay. more what it's called. Good. Because then it's a combination of Batman, which debuted new game plus. You probably guys don't remember that when then Batman, did, Batman new didn't game debut plus. new game plus. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Batman no. invented Batman himself invented <laughs> nope. new game plus. Lucius Fox invented it. For What's him? the earliest well, game you remember new game no, plus? I was about right? to say my first, the first one I ever encountered it was Final Fantasy X 2. I know it was before that. But that was the first time I came across Chrono it. Trigger was the first game I remember. I mean, in my mind that I remember having something called New Game Plus. Yeah. But I, don't I mean, know. I mean, Zelda had, you know, well, second quest and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, I remember. I mean, I think in Chrono Trigger, it is called New Game Plus, And I wonder if that's where could be wrong about that. But I think so. I remember correctly. We're the first pre- people to, yeah, like to call plus it or? New Game Plus. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. That's an interesting uh, little piece of what are some ones after that? What's in between Final Fantasy X-2 and Chrono Trigger Batman. that have used New Game Plus? Um. And called it that? Yeah. Oh. In between, so like in between 94 and 2003? Yeah. <laughs> um, shit, I don't know. Yeah. I don't Let know. us know in the I comments. I have to think about it. I'm what sure was the first blind. game that uh, you had a New Game Plus in? It's an interesting question. Yeah. Just an interesting piece of trivia. Mm-hmm. It can't be Chrono Trigger. Trivia. Chrono Trigger couldn't have made it up, but that's, that, that's definitely like the earliest one I remember. I mean, it could have. And yeah, the term. I'm not saying the idea of playing the game yeah. again because, like you said, the Legend of Zelda, the original one, yeah, had. I mean, Mario is a, a good example. Yeah, Legend of Zelda is, really is a new game plus. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's really not. It's like a different game. It's plus a new game. Yeah. Anyway, but I don't yeah. know what we're talking about. Okay. What do you guys have been playing? Lots of stuff. Mm. Can't talk about a lot of it. Yeah. 
so yeah, end of the topic. What are you been talking about that you can talk about? Halo. Played Halo with Christine. And man, I'll tell you what, Tim. Mm. I know it's just it would, not going to shock anybody on the internet. I just don't get Halo. Really? I've played every Halo co-op, and I've never had a great time. Really? Yep. I play them. They're fun enough. They're, it's okay. I'm doing something together, but it's just like... And like this one, the story sounded cool, and I still think the story's cool. I'm like, Christine says we're six chapters in. She's like, we have to finish it. We're almost half. We're halfway through, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. But she says it is. She's looked at her chivos, uh-huh. I guess. It's just, it just goes. It just does its thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good thing, though. It's fun. Is it? I think it's fun. I, I, is it? Yeah, I'm a couple missions in. The problem I'm having is my Xbox is like flipping out. So right. Yeah, your controller keeps disconnecting. Yeah, every couple minutes my controller will disconnect. Yeah, and it's the worst. But that didn't stop me from. Forcing myself Are you playing with other people? Play. Uh, we've been trading off a little bit just because it's it's the most annoying thing in the world. Um, but no, I was just playing the single player thing. Gotcha. Trading off the single player. Old school I see what you're saying. I yes. see what you're saying. So you um, do this level, I'll do that level. Which, kind of I mean, I want to be positive about this game, but that's the biggest negative I have to say about it is I can't believe there's not split screen. No that's, local co-op. That's Halo, man. And I get that, it, you know, modern games and, you know, things yeah, change. Yeah, yeah. Also, it's, it's hard, also, it's hard to run it. Yeah. And I get all that. But it's like. That sucks because that's what I like the most about Halo, mm-hmm. specifically the campaign. I like co-op, split screen, being in the same room with them, playing. And it's like, I, I enjoy it so much that I was like, all right, how do I get two Xboxes, two Halo 5s, and like, let's get two TVs in the yeah. same room, let's do it. But then it got to the point where I was like, that's, I just don't have the time nowadays to like make that all happen. Um, to get another Xbox? You have two Xboxes, I thought. Isn't there one kicking around your house still, or is it just the one? Just the one. Mm. Yeah, that's what sucks. I sold gotcha. the other one. So gotcha, there you go. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if we're good, just the, the setup of all of that. It's like back in the day when I had all the time in the world, it was like, yeah, this is awesome. Now it's like, all right, I have real things to do. Sure. Instead of, you know, setting up a ridiculous gaming setup. You but, just get another TV, Tim. It's just a HDMI cord and TV in the Xbox. It's, it's set up pretty much. That, I mean, that's, think, think of the cost of that, Greg. Think well, yeah, the, the cost the is fine. That's a fine. The, the time isn't a thing. Whatever. Colin and I were watching football out there. I brought up that second screen. I was sitting out there playing games. Yeah, but yeah, Halo Five. Yeah. It just doesn't click for me, and I and I've, I've I've always thought it was like maybe it's just not this Halo. You know what I mean? Mm. But I think it's just the fact that since I didn't have an affinity for Halo One or Two, they were games that I my friends were playing, but I wasn't playing. You know what I mean? Alongside them or anything, but I knew how important they were, kind of thing. That I just don't think I have that built in. Here's the foundation of why I sh- I care about Halo. And since I don't have that, I play this game, and I'm just like, all right, just running mm. around shooting shit. Like, what's happening? All right, what's See, going on? Halo's okay. one of those things where the gameplay is just fun to me. I like See, it. See, the I, gameplay is annoying to me. Hey, here's this gun I really like. Oh, out of ammo. Better pick up one of these fucking alien guns and shoot until I get back to the gun I like. Like, why yeah. can't I just run around with the gun I like all the time? I don't know. I think that's part of the, the fun of it. And again, I, this is coming from someone that has enjoyed the past Halo games, so I like that it plays like a Halo sure. game. So like, See, part and that's the thing. Of, like I have that, no... I, I mean, yeah. I've played the past Halo games, but never enjoyed them really, right? So I don't have that, like, I enjoyed this part of it. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's compounded by the fact of it's like, I'm playing with Christine, who immediately jumps to Laura Bailey to play as her or whatever, so I'm kicked into being Locke or whatever, and Locke has a shitty fucking gun, too. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's, play, it's cheap once in a while. He's got a good gun. But then inevitably, now I gotta pick up the fucking needle dick here, and bing, bing. Yeah. Do this yeah. stupid thing, but again, I think that's part of the design, and like whether or not you like that, that's you know up to you. But like for me, I like the the weapon management kind of system. I mean, it's not like it's that deep of a thing, but just like understanding how much ammo you have and knowing like the the power weapons versus just the alien weapons, which most of the time aren't as good at least yeah. the ones you find in the campaign yeah, and yeah. stuff. So I I've always enjoyed that. My biggest thing is in terms of the story so far, I'm not like in love with it. Right. I like that it's not the Cortana. How far are you right now? Uh, I think we did maybe three. Okay. Three missions in. Um, and it's just like, I I like that there's not the same old Cortana, like same old sure, thing. Sure, sure. But it is kind of weird 
that there's this the teams you're with, but there's not really a backstory. Like unless you've read the books and like know the stuff, and like my friends that I'm sitting in the same room with, like they know. So they're like, oh, this is cool, this is cool. But it's like I don't know that. So it's like the game kind of assumes that I know more than I do, and I think that's a problem. Otherwise, there's just four people on my team, right? You know, and the other thing is, at least in the single player, the AI of my teammates wasn't always great. Like I tell them to do things, and then they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I think that's a case by case basis. But uh, I'm having fun with the game, and I think it's good. And I think that uh, I mean, if the sales have anything to say about it. Like people are super into it. Like uh, we were seeing today, that it broke the record. It broke the record, man. For What's Halo, the record? No one sales. really knows no one what knows. the no, no one knows, one knows what, what the copies they're... are. But like we know that it broke the record. That they won't say. Yeah, yeah it's so annoying. They're like it, it grossed 400 million dollars between the game and the co- and they. They insinuate that it also counts console bundles. Yeah, bundles. Yeah. Yeah. Just wish, like, just say how many copies the fucking game mm-hmm. sold. Why does everyone do this? Yeah, it's so annoying. Dress it up. Dress Activision up does pig. the same shit with Destiny as Jason Schreier pointed on a Kotaku. Like every time, they've never said how many copies the game sold. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I watch Greg play Halo Five quite a bit, and and uh, you know, I was a fan of Halo One and Halo Two, and and but I wasn't a fan of their story. Like I, I don't the the. I like the like the gameplay of those games. They were they were really unique and special at the time, especially I think. Uh, there just wasn't many games. There just weren't many competent, you know, First console shooters, shooters in the early 2000s. I mean, there just weren't. So um, not like we have today. So uh, that's why I played those games. The story never really appealed to me. Halo to me always. And the reason I'm not engaged in it anymore, just from the, an outsider's point of view, is that it's just it's a very sterile. It looks like a very sterile sci fi universe in a way like I don't. It just doesn't vibe with me. Like I was t- I was talking to when I, I watched Greg play for maybe an hour and uh just so I can get a little taste of it. And I'm like, this is just, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it from an aesthetic point of view. Even like, yep. I, I like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get what this is like, what the necessarily the, the, I understand why people like it. I understand people like the gameplay, the multiplayer is a lot of feelings, like nostalgic feelings. I'm like, Greg, I played those games at the time and you know, back in the day. And, and so I get that in a sense, but they never went, maybe want to go back and play more. Mm. Um, and, uh, it's the same reason I, it's the same way I feel about Killzone. Um, until Shadowfall came out, I really didn't like Killzone. I played all those Killzone games on you know PS3 or two of them on PS3, and then you know obviously the PS2 one um, was supposed to be like the Halo killer. And back in the day, clearly it wasn't. But I, I had the same. I had a I had a similar yet different problem with those games, which was like this is so gray and black and brown mm-hmm. and fucking boring, you know. Like and with with Halo, and I kind of you know grudgingly went through those games so I can like at least talk about them on on podcast beyond back in the day, but. With Halo, I see a sci-fi universe that I'm just like, this is just not that interesting to me. I like gritty, dirty, dark sci-fi like Battlestar Galactica or or Mass Effect even where mm-hmm. it's yeah. like, I, so I just... The worlds of, don't feel lived in. Everything feels yeah. like it's like a set piece and it's just this thing that I'm running through to shoot things. But that's, that's my, just but that's just my perspective from an, an outsider. I did not play the game other than trying to use a vehicle really quick because mm-hmm. I was laughing at Greg not being able to do it and then I realized the controls were just really bad. Well, it's um, Halo, yeah. But, uh, but... So the, take my my opinions with a grain of salt. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure the game plays fantastically. See, and, I, and, I don't even think it does. Like, and that's and like it's just I totally get to come at it as the guy who's just not Mr. Halo, right? I play him once every yeah. time they come out, and I'm done with them, right? But like, I was playing it, and the whole time I'm playing, I'm like, man, I should just go play Destiny. Like, I'd much rather play Destiny. Destiny, I like the guns better. I like I like that I have my own guns. I like the worlds better. I like the story better. I like the controls better. Like Alfredo, when I learned Titanfall, and he taught me, like I was like, I want to be good at Titanfall because I like Titanfall. Teach me your ways, Alfredo Diaz. He sat me down and, you know, built me from the ground up. And he's like, here's the bumper jumper. That's the one to use. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, great, thank you. The bumper jumper in here has no iron sights on the triggers. So if I want to use bumper jumper, I still have to click in the stick to go. Or No, it's clicking the stick, I believe, mm-hmm. to go iron sights and whatever. It's like, this is terrible. Or no, it isn't sticks. It's off a button or something or whatever. It's weird to get to iron sights in bumper jumper. So then I have to go back and not use bumper jumper. And so then it's just yeah. not, it doesn't feel right. Like none of the control schemes I like. Yeah. See, I don't know. I guess it's one of those things. I grew up with the Halo. That is my dual stick first person shooter. Like kind of like 
everything else is based on on how that feels to me. So it's yeah. like I play all these other games and my biggest complaint is it doesn't feel like Halo. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the look and stuff, I love the look. I love the the way that the the enemies look compared to your characters. And in terms of the story, like I don't think anyone's claiming that the story is this like it's not Last of Us. You know, it's not. I don't think people are playing it for the story in the same way that they say that about other games. For me, it's just oh, I really. Like, it seems like people play it for the story. Like, I I like this. I like the story. I'm into it. I'm into the the characters and the different like races of the characters and the classes and all this stuff and like the war going on between like the elites and the jackals and all this stuff like it's all just the little details that as you play through the games you kind of just pick up on and like the different looks between them all and all that but i think it's just more of like it's a dumb action movie you know it's like the, it's like fast and furious like the plot of it it's not like a revolutionary story i still love the story you know what i mean like it's more it's fun i like it it's just action movie spectacle and halo to me has always kind of been that and the in terms of the levels not feeling lived in and just kind of being like uh environments for things to happen Stereo. i like that I, I like that it's it's very linear it's designed like there's this course that course is obviously to ride a warthog through you know this there's this jump that is a, a, it's the point you know yeah um playing through when you play super metroid and there's the escape scene in the beginning it's like that is designed that way you know all the the things that you face and stuff that ship why would it be designed that way it's designed that way just to make the escape fun yeah. and like in halo there's constantly those moments it's constantly just you need to get from here to here really fast in the warthog and then there's like all the things along the way that are make that fun. And I've already seen that a couple of times in the limited time I put in Halo 5. But. Well, with this game in particular, I'm interested to see when games get really hyped up. It takes people a while to gain distance from them in order to like kind of critique them in, mm-hmm. in different ways. Not necessarily. It's, so it's not to say that the initial critique is wrong, because I think The Last of Us is one of those games that I really I really loved um, and thought it was a masterpiece. But, you know, a lot of people didn't. And they have valid critiques about the game that I think are more and more valid the more the more time we are you know distant from The Last of Us and the more we see different things. And so I'm interested to see, you know, there are. Three games come to mind that I think are going to differ in people's minds as we gain more distance from them, and one has already. Bioshock Infinite's a great example of this. Uh, people were up that game's ass, and then it took a little while, and then people started to see, like, I don't know about this game. Like, there's this, this is a great game, great story, it's fun, but there's this, this, and this wrong with it. And it took people a little bit of distance uh, to figure that out. I think Metal Gear Solid Five is going to be another one of those games. I've not played it, but I see more and more significant criticism of that game every day. That from people that... Um, I trust, and that people that have just got gained distance and thought about it for a little while and been like, well... Gameplay is excellent and impeccable, but what about this, this, and this? And so I'm interested to see with Halo, which I think is another one of those games, like what what people think about it in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, is it going to be one of those games like the original Bioshock that I think actually even gets better with age uh, and people have more and more positive things to say about it? Or is it going to be more like Uncharted 3 where people liked it, then they didn't, then they did, then they really don't. And like and like people, so I, I'm interested to see I like think what it's people. Gonna be one of those. It's definitely not going to be like a Bioshock. It's another Halo. I mean, that's, that's the thing. The thing. Is Isn't it going to be Halo Four, or Halo Three? Yep. And when's the last exa- time anybody I thought about or exactly... talked about any of those games? There's yeah. Halo. Yeah. Halo Two is the only Halo anybody ever talked I'm about. T- the thing that I acknowledge with Halo and just with with some of these Xbox exclusives, not Gears or anything that I actually care about, but like Halo. Some people take issue with the fact that I said I don't care about Halo last week and I didn't have anything to say. Like I don't know what they want me to say or do you want me to like pretend that I like it so we have a conversation about it. Um, it's just not one of those things that draw, that grabs me. So I have to look around the landscape and find the people, whether it's Ryan McCaffrey, whether it's Mitch Dyer, like people that I know know it yep. and see what they think about it. It's yeah. Same thing with Assassin's Creed. Like I'm so jaded by Assassin's Creed that I just can't even trust my own judgment in a way on it. I need to go to the people that I trust that I, I know know this stuff like they would come to me for the things that I know. So mm. 
um, really well. So I'm just interested to see how it all pans out because I think what I'm seeing in my own little social media bubble anecdotally about Halo 5 is that people are disappointed in it. But there's a lot of people that like it. People seem to be disappointed in the campaign. People seem to be disappointed in the campaign's length, which apparently is really short. Um, I was reading something, I think Angry Joe or something. I think there was a NeoGAF thread about yeah, how he beat the game in four hours. hours, which is, if that's true, completely inexcusable to make a campaign four hours long. It's the same fucking problem we have with the Order 1886. So we have to call. I mean, the Order 1886 didn't have anything else. People buy. So it's way worse with the Order 1886 being five or six hours when there's nothing else to do sure. in the game. That um, number doesn't sound wrong, right? Because Christine and I played it for one night. And she says we're halfway through. I'm like, really? That I mean, that's just that's just bizarre. So I yeah, think but that number does. It sounds a little. I mean, that's on the fast side. You know, I would say or, six, me and her just six hours at Halo. You yeah, know five, I, mean? I mean, five to six hours even I think is too short for a campaign. I don't need games. We've talked about this in the past with The Witcher, or whatever. Where I think games can like there's a definition of a game being too long and too dense. Mm-hmm. And actually, someone just Kesa McDonald, our friend, put up a piece today on Kotaku. I think where she was like, I played The Witcher three for six months and I've gotten nowhere in it. I mean, this is my exact complaint about the game. So there's something to be said about games that are too big and too long. Mm-hmm. And I think The Witcher three, too big. Um, Did you read her article? Uh, no, I, I saw I, the headline too. I'm I, just, I no, I, I saw the flag for later. I was interesting. Yeah. I, I'm interested to see if she's going to have a positive spin on it or a negative spin. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it depends on the density of of the game and like what you know. This goes back to a, a conversation I was having with some of our friends on NeoGaf and our thread about PS I Love You, where I was talking about on PS I Love You how um, retail games I think will become cheaper once publishers are comfortable competing with each other on a digital marketplace. Uh, what happens when Ubisoft is like all of our games are fifty dollars? Mm-hmm. And then do you think EA is going to stay at $60 or whatever? And the reason I bring that up is because is it possible that a game like Witcher might be even worth more because it is so big? So it's a, it's a conversation for a different time, kind of an ancillary kind of conversation. Is it worth $100, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but with so with Halo, I, I just, I'm, I'm interested. I have to trust other people mm-hmm. because I'm not going to play it. I'm not interested in really playing it, but I'm very interested as a student of the industry what it is and how it does um because my prediction about it even though we were talking to aaron when he was on the show and, and just kind of and totally my my feeling was like i just don't see the hype about it now the numbers indicate that i was wrong so i want to see how people really feel about it with a little bit of distance mm-hmm. and you know that's what i'm super anxious about it's the same thing with bioshock infinite it took time before i really got down to like hearing some good criticism about it and i think halo 5 is gonna for good or for bad yeah i'm not saying it's gonna be you know all bad i'm sure people can look back at halo 5 in two years and be like that was great mm-hmm. um but it also seems like they're going to continue to churn these games out. Yeah. So, and I mean, the other thing about Halo is like to me, a six-hour Halo campaign that sounds perfect. I don't need more than that. And also, the game's designed around replayability right. and going back skulls. on legendary and the skulls and all that stuff. So it's like I think a a, a very polished six-hour experience would be better than an eight or ten-hour experience that have the little things missing. The problem is a lot of people are saying that this isn't perfect. You know, but what game really is? That's the other thing that that these games. This is why 343 is in an impossible situation. They're in an impossible situation for two reasons. One is that they're not the people that that gamers really want to make Halo. I mean, that's that's the that, that's the first thing. Like, that's not their series, and and I know they've been working on it for a while, but I think they're always going to be fighting against it. It's like it's like uh, mm-hmm. the way people felt about Treyarch forever until they yep. didn't with Call of Duty. Um, now everyone loves Treyarch, but yeah. everyone remembers when Modern Warfare came out. Everyone fucking hated Treyarch. WB Montreal with exactly. Batman. Anytime, so I, so I, anytime somebody steps into a franchise, somebody's already done stuff with. It's no matter what. It's never going to be as good yeah. as the. People but I mean, who but I think it. this one is different because there is a lot of key people. Like the key people that worked on Halo are sure. I'm not saying this. I'm not saying the reality on the ground yeah, is true. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying that they're going to always fight against this this impression that this isn't there. So I think that they're always fighting against that trend. Mm-hmm. And I also think that when you have an, a, a, a central IP, it's, Uncharted is going to suffer from the same thing, and Zelda is going to suffer from this on Nintendo side too. 
there's such significant expectations placed on these pla- on these games that they almost can't be met ever. Mm-hmm. And and what I've been finding with all of the games that I've been playing this year up till you know I would say Mad Max even in, in a sense like so up until the September region is that there I'm fine. People think I'm jaded and I'm a little too hard on games, but I'm just finding that my mind is clear enough to see that a lot of these games are just not hitting the mark in some ways that there's something off about a lot of different games. And I think that that's just the nature of them. They're never going to please everyone. They can be fun, but we can mm-hmm. still criticize them. Yeah. yeah. And I think that um, a game like Halo five has this crushing weight under it. Yeah. Uh, the, or I mean, especially it, when like, you know, we're, we're critiquing the campaign and stuff, but I think that for a lot of people, specifically the ones that actually played it, Halo four is like their favorite campaign. Like you look back, like everyone is different. Favorite I thought, I thought everyone campaigns. loved Halo two the best, but, but see, that's the thing. Did they? Because the campaign of that, like, story, like Halo Two is multiplayer, but the Halo Two campaign story made no sense. They added the, yeah, the I freaking, I, vaguely uh, remember. I forgot what the character's name was, but like the weird ass Master Chief, not Master Chief. It was like a, the, the fucking thing with the tentacles and stuff. It was Cortana, like, what the fuck? Where's this even coming from? The Prophet storyline just was weird and not well fleshed out enough. Um, they had the Arbiter, which at the time nobody fucking liked, and then it just ended. And one of the most upsetting cliffhangers, not a great cliffhanger, upsetting. Like it was like. Oh, that's the end of the game. What the hell? And so I don't know, man. I, I think that these these games might even have a better campaign than those. Halo One had a great campaign, but it had some really bad levels. Like the library was like a chore to get through, and especially when you're going replaying it on on legendary, whether it's co op or single player, and doing all that. Like these games, I think they're more modern. They're more designed around different things, modern whereas, sensibilities. Yeah, and so it's like it's it's different. But you're right. I mean, people are they're never going to compare it. Campaign to campaign. It's campaign versus memories of campaign. Yeah. And that will always come out on top. Nostalgia plays a factor. I, 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 like I said, I think last week or the week before, at some point, like I, I Halo is fine. People love Halo. I, if I was Microsoft, though, I would be focusing on, on trying to elevate something else, you know, into that, into that place. Sony's going to have that problem after Uncharted's out. Like, what are they going to do after, after Uncharted in terms of like, Crash. what's the marquee? Probably Gran Turismo. Crash. But it's, you know, something like Gran Turismo, but that's not even really what they need. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's something like Horizon or whatever. I'm interested to see what kind of feedback they get on this game, what kind of metrics and heat mapping they find when people are playing the game in terms of like what they're doing, what they're not doing or whatever. Because I just and I'm interested also how the console sold. I'll be really interested to see the MPDs for um, for October mm-hmm. and November um, to see what shifted hardware and stuff like that. The thing that Halo 5 has to deal with, which is the same thing that a lot of other shooters have to deal with, is this idea of a ubiquitous platform, this idea of ubiquity in games halo 5 has to be something very special to keep people away from call of duty and to keep people away from battlefront this fall um and this is only a problem on xbox one this isn't a problem on playstation 4 or pc um but there's a lot of competition there's always been a lot of competition for all these games but i feel like the triple a tier 100 million dollar plus shooter um is like going to be a very competitive space this fall Mm -hmm. and i'll be interested to see like how on xbox one how halo stacks up against battlefront um, and Call of Duty, because people seem to be really excited about this Black Ops 3, because mm-hmm. now they love Treyarch, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget, I'll never forget 2008, 2009, how everyone hated Treyarch, and I was like, I think, I thought I like Treyarch, and, the, and they were like, oh, it's all about Infinity Ward. I, I just stopped paying attention to that chatter in that community, and then suddenly when I was predicting that Black Ops 3 was going to fall off, a lot of people think I'm wrong, because it's a Treyarch game, and it's going to do great. I'm like, really? They proved I thought you hated Colin. Treyarch. They proved themselves, Colin. So it shows the show, goes to show how I really don't pay attention to that community very much. Even, <laughs> though I, even though I play Call of Duty every year. <laughs> so this isn't a game, but another thing that in, it video, isn't a game. in the video game world that uh, that happened this week was the Metroid, the Sky Calls short oh, film. Oh, the Jessica Chobot film. Yeah, so Jessica Chobot's in it. It's made by Rainfall Films, 
which are the same dudes that made the Zelda video for IGN. April back Fool's in the Day, the, the one Fool's that like, started it all. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they made that, and they also last year made the Wonder Woman short. Nice. That, that you know, got like yep. five million views, six million views, I'm not sure. Um, so this this video came out kind of out of nowhere, and what's really cool about it to me is that at IGN, like we had talked to the, the guy that made this, Sam, yeah. many times about one of the April Fool's videos being a Metroid uh, short film, and we've always kind of had an idea of like how would you do that that requires such a big budget and this and that, um, because it's it's different than Zelda. You know, Zelda's like all right, let's go out to a fucking green grassy grass area. field, yeah, and we'll yeah. be good. Metroid, what are you gonna do? Like even the suit alone is a pretty big investment. Um, and to see him actually make this short, I'm like, it, it's it's awesome. It's awesome to see the growth of technology and just yeah. how things have happened. That he reached a point where he can make this happen, and he did it. And it, it's really cool. You guys should definitely check it out. It's called Metroid: The Sky Calls. If you haven't already seen it, did you guys watch it at all? Yeah. So it's it's really cool, and I like it because you know fan films are a dime a dozen these days, and like especially with YouTube and like muzzle flare tutorials and all this shit. Like anybody can make these things. This was the first one I've seen in a long time that I was like, oh shit. This actually kind of impresses me yeah. at any level. Like, this looks cool. They, it has a, a really nice um, alien feel to it. Um, they had a lot of film grain, and like it just—it it was very it's claustrophobic. It's yes, creepy. It's very got, artistic. When, when they go in and get Jess's eyes in mm-hmm. the Samus suit, like Iron Man, that's really really. It's cool, cool. and they it, it did a really good job with it. Um, the music was like on point. It was like very. It was Metroid when it needed to be, and it wasn't exactly Metroid at other times, when which, it didn't is, which is good. <laughs> Um, they they really kind of got a lot of the the key Metroid stuff in there. They got the morph ball. They got the the grappling beam and all that stuff. And it's it was cool. It was very nice. There was the Chozo. Like the plot of the short made sense. It was contained. It has a, a it feels good. You watch it and when it finishes, you're like, oh, that was worth watching. Mm-hmm. Now is it perfect? Absolutely not. You know, like but is anything perfect? No. You know, but even more than that, I feel like people are are being a little harsh on it just because it's like, oh, this isn't right or this isn't right. But it's like this is the best Metroid fan film I think like I've ever seen. Best piece of Metroid content in years. I'm, well, that's that's also true. You know, and it's it's really awesome. My biggest critique of it is the fact that like Samus isn't that scared. You know, like she seemed a little bit like what's going on the whole time where usually she's a little i would assume she's a little bit more of a badass usually she talks like this and then i saw the baby metroid and i didn't know what to do and that's remember not, that metroid that, the other that, end you remember yeah, this that's not the that's remember not me, the, remember me? <laughs> <laughs> uh but I, I really like it i definitely think you should check it out if only to have your own criticisms of it and, and you know see what you have to say about links it. in the description yeah yeah i'll do that for sure that's where kevin takes a note usually and then Make sure you did it. Good job, Kevin. Anyway, shout out to Sam. I'm really happy you finally got to make this project happen. Um, other games I've been playing. I've been playing a lot of games a little bit at a time. So yeah. I put a couple hours into a couple games, learned that a couple games weren't for me, and learned that a couple are for me. Let's go. Let's start with the Guitar Hero Live. We've I've, talked about this I've before. I've done that. But we, we played a bit more over the last couple of weeks, and we haven't really talked about it. What are your thoughts? I haven't played it more since the like the two the weekend I spent with it. I, t- I brought it at home. It came in on a Friday. I played it the Saturday and the Sunday of that weekend. Did a lot of the Guitar Hero TV stuff, which is I I thought not that they undersold it, but they didn't. They made such a big deal about you're playing in front of the live audience, right? That I wasn't paying attention. And then they're like, oh, there's Guitar GT TV. I'm like, all right, whatever the hell that is. I don't, you know what I mean, whatever. And then to jump in and play it, I was like, oh, this is actually kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. And I saw people in the rev- some of the reviews were harsh on it, like, oh, it's a microtransaction game, and it's like, for me, it wasn't. You know, for a weekend of play where I jumped in, I you start earning credits like nobody's business, and then you go and pick the songs you want, and then you level up, and then you get more credits. And I never spent any money to go play the songs I wanted to. They were just there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the idea of jumping in and there's just like 
an alt rock station that you jump in and you're in the middle of a song and you start playing or whatever and then the next song comes up and you go you know like that you jump out go to the next station and stuff like that i thought it was a cool idea it's different right mm-hmm. the big thing about this guitar hero and why i played it longer than i played rock band was the fact that this is different this isn't oh i'm just playing rock band again okay that's that's all right. This is I got I'm relearning how to play. Mm-hmm. You know, it's these six buttons. You know, in total three on top of the three, and I'm trying to figure out how to do that stuff. I'm doing this the, the Guitar Hero TV stuff. I'm I am playing the live shows, trying to elevate the band there and seeing what that looks like. There's a lot going on that made it feel. Hey, this is something new to learn, and that's yeah. exciting. That's interesting. My my review of the game in one word is satisfying. Yeah, like I feel like the game is very satisfying. It's what I was looking for from the revival of music games. Where yeah, it is relearning. It's re- recapturing that magic that I had so many years ago. Of I don't know what I'm doing. Oh shit! Now I know how to do it. Oh shit! Let's make this better. Yep. Let's keep doing this. And like I was telling Colin last week on the Patreon exclusive episode, like it gives me a sense of music discovery that. I haven't had in music games for years. Right. Like I'm hearing songs that I've never heard before that I'm like, I like this. Yep. Who is this artist? I want to know about this. And that's great. And it's also got, has a whole bunch of music that I actually like. The set list is good, especially when you add Guitar Hero TV. Like that, there's so much more to the set list than what's on the box. And it's weird. And what you're saying is right. Like they didn't do a good job of explaining what Guitar Hero TV is. Right. Because you don't own those songs. They're not included on the track list. So when yeah. we first got on Colin and Greg Live, I read the track list to Colin and he's like, that's marginally better than what Rock Bands was. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I agree. And then I played some of those and then you jump into Guitar Hero TV and it's like, oh, here's Lit and here's this and here all these things that weren't on the box that I liked. But then it was the same thing of like, I'm just going through. I'm like, I don't know any of these songs. But I like. I'd stop and listen and be like, oh, this is in this is alternative. This is pop. This is yep. like something I would like. And maybe I know a little bit of it. But since I'm not trying to sing it or anything else i'm just trying to play yeah why not and i'll watch the video in the background and have fun with it yeah like and it was a great distraction game you know mm-hmm. what i mean the weekend it hit was perfect because we were in between getting whatever the next big thing was that i was super excited for so it was like i have time to kill and i played it one night and then the next night i finished walking dead i was like you know what i could go for more more songs and mm-hmm. i jumped on and did it again now that said games i've wanted have shown up since then and i haven't played much of it yeah. at all right they're just there and it's like well do i hold on to this guitar am i ever getting back to it or what does it matter mm-hmm. i've had four real experiences with the game yeah three of them have been absolutely awesome i've had so much fun playing and one of the times i could not get the guitar to sync at all Uh, and i spent maybe an hour and a half really trying to like keep syncing keep playing and i realized like it's not right and that ruins it that absolutely ruins it and that's that is a that's something that i've seen everyone that's played the new guitar or rock band has dealt with yep no and that's the thing is like i think we talked about it just tangentially at the table right when we got rock band that first day right we set it up and it's totally fucked and we were all da-da, and you were like i wish we just plugged in mm-hmm. where it was just done again and this was the same thing where yeah like i played for a while and then I, it's like what you're saying of like i finish a song and be like i can do that better i finally at the end there got the feeling for going up and down you know going from black to white or whatever i can do that i can do that and go back and replay it but then I, you get good enough to where it's like well this isn't perfect and then you start tinkering and then it's 30 minutes of like that's almost there but not there wait i gotta wait for the ball to hit the cowbell but when you know again moving this thing around trying to fucking get it perfect yeah. and it never is perfect right? exactly and that's then, the problem none of my experiences did i feel like yep nailed it i was always playing maybe like a microsecond off and then it gets in your head where you're like i fucked that up but did i fuck it up or is the game fucked up and can i make it you know what i mean like that it's like yeah it's like such a fucking headache to have to worry about and i never had that problem back with guitar hero 2 on the ps2 sure like i was just like i just need to play it they're giving me the song and if i get it wrong it's my fault yeah um other things i mario maker oh my god i'm addicted to that game still yeah i can't stop playing i keep going back to it and like we did a let's play 
um, yesterday that's going to... Oh, it's already live. It'll be up. Yeah, so uh, check that out. We did the Nintendo World Championships levels. The reason I'm talking about this now is Nintendo today is doing the update for Mario Maker, which adds oh, the checkpoints points and the power-up thing where if you're small Mario and you hit the power-up, you get a mushroom. If you're big, you get the fire flower. Nice. That's fucking awesome. But even more than that, they're adding the... the what are they called? Um event mode and official makers tab. So official makers tab is going to be Nintendo constantly updating Nintendo made levels, which oh, I'm like, hell that's yes, awesome. that's fucking great. And event mode is like Nintendo world championship style things where they already did it at PAX before where they like, they made, there was like a lot the contest to have levels or whatever. And then they put them out there for everyone to play. And it, it, there's a more focused idea behind it. I'm like, thank you for making this game that I love so much even better yeah like man mario maker the more i play it the more i'm like i just i'm in, entirely in love with this that's game. great um so i'm very stoked about that others on the nintendo front yokai watch oh the, yeah uh, the yes, 3ds yes, game yes, yes, yes. played for about an hour it's not for me but i can understand who it's for this is for the people what is that, this game so it's to boil it down it's the new pokemon okay you know it's okay. like it's a huge thing in japan like very 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 big and um, all the kids love it, and it's the new digital monster, like Digimons, they call it. it, it yeah, they're Digimons, um, that type of thing. They're ghosts, ghost creature things. I like, like it so like far. This weird paranormal yes. stuff going on, and then, like there's one kid that sees them. Like he goes. Do I have into a trap? A Do I have a proton pack? No, 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 no proton pack. This kid goes, and there's one of those like you know the like, capsule machines where you put a quarter yeah. in, and, like things come out. Like you get that, and like the, there's ghosts in that thing, which are huge in Japan. Those machines, yeah. And um, That's why in all the it's, it's just it's very similar to Pokemon in in a lot of ways, and the it's it's an RPG, and there's like the battle systems and stuff. I don't really like the battle system. It's uh it's a little bit more like there's a lot of tapping involved, and it feels like in Pokemon you're the Pokemon trainer fighting with the Pokemon, but you still kind of feel like you're in control of the Pokemon. Whereas this one. The I don't renegades. know how to put it into words. It you feels, let these ghosts out, and they're just doing whatever the fuck they whatever. want. It just feels a little bit more like. You're managing ghosts as opposed to using the ghosts. Mm, okay. Even though with Pokemon, you're the Pokemon trainer, there's a different feeling. Like I, I They're feel, your slaves in Pokemon. These yeah. are sentient beings, dead grandfathers, yeah. children who were involved in bus crashes, exactly. and now you have their spirits and you have to make them fight. I do want to give a shout out to my favorite one. His name is Cheek Squeak, and he looks like a butt. And if he blows on you, he makes you fart. <laughs> Cheek squeak sounds like my boy. So I'm really into that. But it's things like that that make me realize, like, this is not for me. Like, Pokemon, I will always love Pokemon because I loved Pokemon and I've grown with that. And right. So there's just that with me. I don't know that I could get into this game Cause the now squeak. because it it is it's a kid game. Like, it straight up is a kid game. Gotcha. Whereas Pokemon, I feel like I would argue, it's like, oh, but adults can like it too. Sure. But it's like, maybe I'm wrong about that. No, Pokemon's a kid's game like, too. I don't even it's know. Just, it's just that, it, I, I've called it, and I, I've called Pokemon this before, and it's not an insult to it, but it is baby's first role-playing game, and that is what Pokemon is. So it's 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 a great entryway and, and gateway drug for younger kids to get into statistical-based games. Um, but I agree with you. Pokemon can be enjoyed by adults. It is enjoyed by millions of adults around the world, including you know us, me until more recently, I guess, but... Um, it's a children's game. Yeah. So I wonder, I wonder like I, I was, I was, when we were at IGN, I was talking a lot about watching Yokai watch on, on, um, on the charts in Japan and being like, this is going to be really big here. Um, and it's, it surprised me that it took so long to come here. Um, but I'm interested to see how it resonates with Western audiences. Yeah. I haven't, I know the review embargo was today as we're recording this, but I've not read any of them. So I don't mm. know how it's yeah, doing, either. but that game 
fucking murdered in Japan. I mean, like it's 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 hard to it's hard to overestimate or overstate rather just how well that game did in Japan. Yeah, it killed the, for a long time. Who did kill? Going back to <laughs> Cheek Squeak. No, but, uh, not Cheek Squeak. But, but going back to what I was saying about the the kids game thing. Whereas I feel Pokemon is a kids game that can be enjoyed by adults and stuff. Like it, it always kind of had a. Yeah, it's just fun. The storyline's cool, and there's all that. With this one, it does feel pretty dark for a kids' game, like with all the, the ghosts and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, like it does feel a little bit more advanced for kids, but it's not enough to make it like an adult thing. It's a young adult. Well, right? I don't even know. It's it's weird. Well, that's what always that is what always struck me about literature. To well, just always young adult literature. The last twenty years or so is like, huh, this is pretty fucking dark. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, like especially the Hunger Games, which is super fucking dark. Um, or even something like Lois Lowry's The Giver or whatever. I'm like, this is a really dark theme for young mm-hmm. adults. I mean, even Twilight. Yeah, Twilight. Well, Twilight's, you know, a timeless vampire story. So. Yeah, it is. Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Not, uh, not made for children. Not sure if it's young adult, but yeah. Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll, be watching this, I'll be watching this game with, with intensity. Yokai watching yeah, it? Uh, yeah, I'll be yokai watching it because it's... 3DS is really slowing down a lot in the West in terms of sales, and I'm wondering... It's it's a, it's at fifty two million I think worldwide now something like that which is great but I wonder if it's going to get one or two more pushes before mm-hmm. they inevitably pull the plug on it which I think the NX is going to be X um, going to give it to you. you know if NX is a hybrid then you know three S's days are numbered mm-hmm. um, so I'll be interested to see like what are the games that can give it that one last push and I wonder if this is going to be if this hits the way it hit in Japan um, it's anywhere near where it hit in Japan it's going to be a huge hit here mm-hmm. too. Because uh, it sold millions and millions of copies. I mean, a demonstrable amount of the Japanese population has that game. Mm-hmm. There are twenty. What? What is it? Something like twenty percent of the Japanese population has a 3DS. So, I mean, that's an incredible for for that to be for that to be the case here. The 3DS would need to sell would would need to and just in the United States have pushed, um, like sixty seven million units. So that's an that's an incredible yeah. amount of people that own a 3ds and so you know here it's it's less so and i'm interested to see like what games can possibly proliferate mm-hmm. this unit even further because i think the 3ds is looking quite aged at this point well speaking of 3ds the last game that i put some time into was triforce heroes oh, how is it all the game i enjoyed a lot yeah. i loved uh four swords adventures back in the day or four sword adventures um back when it first came out on gba with the link to the past mm-hmm. as like the thing that was impossible to play with your friends because it required way too much shit mm-hmm. then i bought the gamecube version that was even more impossible to play because you needed way too much shit to play with your friends. But I made it happen, and I loved the shit out of it, and it was really fun. One of the first games um, that I ever played, definitely the first Nintendo game, that was kind of that co-op competitive multiplayer that now is everywhere in every game they ever make. But where you're working together, but it's also funny things happen when you work against each other, and you are trying to see who can get more rupees or whatever. Who gets the crown? Yes. So this one's been cool because I... I can just play it single player, which is something that you couldn't do on the GBA one. And on GameCube you could, but it wasn't whatever. This one, I played single player. I tried playing online a bit. Um, It was lagging out and stuff. I'm like, it's not even worth it. I'm not even going to try. Then I played through uh, a good amount of the game. And it's fun. I like it. The the game changes based on if you're a single player or uh, playing with other people. So, like, they change some of the, um, like, puzzles and shit so that they're possible with one person. You kind of switch off between the different links and um it's cool and i i definitely think that i mean it's not zelda this is not a zelda game but once you kind of turn that off in your head and be like this is a multiplayer zelda game it's is it good on that sense yes it definitely is it's fun it's great um i don't think it's like a 10 out of 10 but it's fun it's a cool little diversion it's a 3ds game i love the 
the hack and slash Zeldas, like Link to the Past, where you're like kind of just walking around like slashing and shit. I like that we're getting more of that. It's really cool. Um, I can imagine playing with two other people being really good. So yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll allow it. Good. So next topic of the oh, do do one more for uh, for Colin. Not what have you been playing? I mean, I've been the only game that we can talk about that I've been playing is uh, Oregon Trail mm-hmm. on Vita. Um, I was pretty harsh on it when I first started playing it because the controllers are really fucking terrible. But I figured out a way to the shooting control specifically in the game. For people that don't know, Oregon Trail is an Oregon or so Oregon Trail. Like your heart, Oregon Trail is a game, but it's it's based on Oregon Trail. O e r g o n Trail, and it's about like riding in a station wagon across the country with survivors of a zombie apocalypse, and it's it's really fucking weird but in it but in a good way um the major problem i have with it is the shooting mechanics are just fucking whacked out i don't understand how what does they, that mean i don't understand how they botched it so badly that you shoot on the you aim on the sticks but it's not you're not pointing in the direction you're shooting it's like you're pulling back and it's like all it's just people play i mean it's bad on it's just bad really bad but i but someone pointed out to me you can use the screen to point but even then you have to pull back and go in the opposite direction mm-hmm. and like shoot at things and this is this is during sequences think about in Oregon Trail like the original one how you would go and hunt animals well in this one you have to like go and find things in a very similar screen but zombies are coming at you so you have to shoot them as like you're gotcha. grabbing all this shit so that really was so am I behind the guy and I'm pulling back to right, shoot right so if so if if yeah if if i'm shooting in front of me i have to pull back okay so it's like and a then, slingshot yeah exactly um, so it's a little weird in that sense, and it's a little off-putting because it's just it's just not intuitive at all. Do it that way, yeah. But uh, other than that, I think the, it's an interesting game. You can you can trade with people, and you have to kind of keep an eye on your car and and keep an eye on the healthier people, and and feed yourself and have ammo and gas. So it's very similar kind of thing to, to Oregon Trail. Um, and I've been playing it on Vita, so I I recommend people maybe take a look at it. It might not be for everyone, but that's been the only game that I've been spending any amount of time with that I can talk about right now. Cool. What are you guys playing? Let us know in the comments below. It'll be a grand old time. The second topic of the day, Activision made a big purchase. Fortune.com reports, King Digital Entertainment, the company behind popular Facebook games such as Candy Crush, seems to have decided that being a publicly traded entity isn't all it's cracked up to be. King announced late Monday that it's being acquired by Activision Blizzard, the makers of popular console and PC games such as Call of Duty, for $5.9 billion motherfucking dollars. King's stock price has been under pressure in part because investors are concerned that it could be a one-hit wonder or that its games might (laughs) fade in popularity over time. No. King is close to 500 million monthly active users, but that number has been declining and so have the company's revenues and profits. Candy Crush was first released in 2012 and quickly became one of the most popular Facebook games ever. Investors' concerns were most likely well-placed since other Facebook and social games have lost their luster in the past. Zynga was once the most dominant game maker on Facebook thanks to titles like Farmville, but its popularity and its share price faded after the social network changed its algorithm and wasn't promoting the game as much. With the buyout, Activision is able to address one of its chief areas of weakness, mobile. Activision's stock price hits an all-time high, reported today, closing up, closes up 7.5% after the King deal was made. Investors were most likely responding positively to landmark news that Activision is dropping $5.9 billion to acquire a mobile publisher, blah, 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 but it also doesn't hurt that Activision has a stellar third quarter that outpaced analyst expectations. So just for reference, EA bought Pop- PopCap back in uh, 2011 for $650 million. Yeah, they got a steal because PopCap's making makes you know more than one game. Um, <laughs> so... This this deal struck me as incredibly strange. Now there's there's an important there's an important note to be had had here, and I have not looked into it too deeply. But apparently there are significant tax benefits mm. to this deal, 
And I don't know the exact nature of that. I'm going to have to look into that. Maybe we can revisit it because I've just not had time to research it. But people have tweeted at me that there is a incredible tax benefit to this purchase that that benefits Activision. Um, so there's that. Here are some numbers that I was looking at and I thought was a little that was a little strange to me. And I would be very scared if I like buying King for this much money is 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 seems completely suicidal to me. Uh, and we'll get to why I don't know how suicidal it really is considering who's running Activision. They're not stupid people. Um, last year, 2014, net income of, so net profit, I really should say, of King after all expenses paid was about $550 million around there, maybe a little less. They Their gross revenue is something like five times ahead of that, so probably somewhere in the line of $2.5 billion. So Activision paid 12 times the amount of the profit made last year to acquire the company and its IP. And why that's weird to me is, is A, the things that they talked about. Zynga is a great example of something that looked like it was going to be dominant and fucking fell off the face of the planet. Um, and that was, I mean, it was so obvious that that was going to happen. Like, these things are just, when you, when you depend on casual gamers, that is exactly what you're going to get is a casual market. Um, and so I look at this deal and I look at it and I'm like, I just don't, why? Like, Why? Why would you spend this much money on this company? The, the, the numbers that they didn't call out here, and I'm going to call out these numbers, and I called them out on, the, on Colin and Greg Live. Microsoft bought Mojang, which became with it Minecraft, for $2.5 billion, which mm-hmm. is a fucking steal now compared to what these things are going on. Disney bought Star Wars for $4 billion. Yeah. Star Wars, I hate to tell you, will make billions and billions and billions of dollars over the next 10 years. That was a fucking shrewd buy. It was probably worth twice as much. And see, that's and, what blows my mind the most is the fact that like, how can this be worth more than Star Wars? It's that's not. What this says. That's, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. And it's like, so $5.9 billion for King publicly traded. People are going to fucking make out a, as bandits. Stockholders of King are probably fucking shit in their pants right now about how much money they're about to make. But the, you know, as long as the, the big thing is that the, the deal is not, will not go through till the spring. Ireland, and King's an Irish company and they need to, you know, they need to go through all the the, the rigmarole over there. This just doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. They make a they make a bunch of games, but they all are derivatives of either Candy, Candy Crush. Crush Saga or they have different like, you know, match so three. match three puzzlers. Like they just they make these very gimmicky free games and then they have whales that support these games. They're 500 million user. First of all, I don't believe that for a fucking second. That's one in 12 people in the world are playing King games. I just don't. I just. I just don't know about that. So I, mean, I don't know like, that what that sounds so crazy to me, though. I mean, just in the way that like everyone has access to something that but, these things are on. But what I'm wondering, but what I'm wondering is how is that number counted? Mm-hmm. Is that counted as like individual downloads of games? So if a person has five King games, are they counted five times or are they counted once? For I'm just They're seeing that five times. I, I'm seeing that number. and I'm just like, that doesn't sound right. That just doesn't times. even sound possible. Mm-hmm. Like just that doesn't sound possible. I could be wrong. I'm not saying they're necessarily like anyone's lying. I'm just saying like, what does that number mean? It's, we always yeah. have to be skeptical about these numbers from these companies. I'm always skeptical about the numbers that these companies release because there's always some fucking trickery mm-hmm. being being portrayed. But it's it doesn't matter how how wide the user base. It's about the people that buy, mm-hmm. and there probably are a few million people that spend money. But now these are your whales, correct? yeah, your whales. This cannot possibly last for them because the next big thing is going to come up and take their place, just like the next big thing displaced Zynga. And I, I, the only thing I can think of, Bobby Kotick at Activision is shrewd and he's smart. He's smarter than anyone in this room, and he's probably smarter than most people listening to this podcast, right? I mean, it's just the, the fact that dudes. Dudes, he's a businessman. He's, he's, he's not only a businessman; he's a fucking ex- business. He's an ex- incredibly successful businessman. Mm-hmm. Bobby Kotick is no dummy. So the one, the one X factor to this whole situation is like, what do you know? 
Mm-hmm. Because it was the same question I asked when Microsoft bought Mojang, which I thought was for a lot of money, and they got away with murder with that one, pretty much. And EA with PopCap is like, I'm sure they're looking at it being like, I'm sure the guys that own PopCap are like, fuck. You know, uh, we could probably sold for a lot more. Yeah. Because PopCap, to me, is like real. I'm not saying people at King aren't necessarily talented. I'm just saying the people at PopCap are. Peggle. Peggle and Plants vs. Zombies are already more diverse than anything that King's made. Yeah. And more unique than anything King's made. So... I look at this and I'm like, there's got to be something to this mm-hmm. because I don't understand how Activision is going to just drop $6 billion in cash. I mean, like, that's that's the craziest thing. It's just, what the fuck do they know? So I think that there's more to this story. We might not ever know yeah. what, what more to the story is. So I think part of it is this possible tax ramification that I have to look into that might be very beneficial to them to be able to write a bunch of shit off and maybe they save a billions of dollars doing it. Mm-hmm. So it's just like six and one half dozen the other, in which case, okay, maybe they only paid in real money two and a half billion dollars for the yeah. company. And so it makes more sense. But also, what are you investing in with King? Like, what are you investing in? They have 1,400 employees. So are you investing in their marketing? Are you investing in, because think, you're not investing in their development. The, the thing there is, I don't think that it's, you know, am I saying mm-hmm. it's worth it? To me, no, but I'm like you said, I'm sure I'm missing a lot, but it's the infrastructure. It's the infrastructure of marketing and getting mobile games out to people and casual games out to people. That's something that Activision doesn't really have right now in that way. No, they're not so, a mobile games company. <laughs> so I, but now they are. Yeah, I know. You know? <laughs> and I mean, but that's that's the thing is like now it's, it's another pillar. And with things like uh, Hearthstone, which are huge and core gamers love that shit you know yeah so, I feel like, so it's like all right let's combine that with this you know combine the call of duties with the hearthstone with the is that how you say it? hearthstone mm-hmm. yeah with Hearthstone with the candy crush what does that become you know i don't need so much about candy crush being this thing for activision it's more about combining the elements that make all of them work together just yeah, but, being this thing but how does it how does it work? Like in my mind, I'm like, how does this work? If everything stays the same with King, we talked about this on Colin and Greg live. If everything remains the same with King and they keep, they stay, the, the structure remains the same. The games make the same amount of money mm-hmm. and the status quo is kept, which is obviously not going to happen. They're going to need new games or they're going to disappear off the fucking face of the planet. But let's assume that that's the case. It will take Activision 12 years to make their money back. Now that's a good investment in a vacuum, but the, in, in games, the, the market's so much more dynamic and fluid than this. 12 years ago, we could not have possibly predicted where we are now. And in 12 years, the market's going to look very different again. And what will the relevance of what King does be in 12 years? I don't know. Mm-hmm. King obviously has made an asinine amount of money. And and there's no die. They're, they're bigger than anyone that makes that may almost anyone that publishes or makes, you know, core AAA games like by a mile. Mm-hmm. So they can they're going to laugh all the way to the bank. And this might be a very shrewd move on Activision's part. I just don't understand that. King seems from an outsider's perspective I don't like mobile gaming so I'm I'm only speaking from an outsider's perspective it seems like King preys on the things that work to get people to spend money or the whales to spend money and they just kind of regurgitate some ideas to keep those games current so in my mind Activision is not paying for that Activision under their umbrella has game developers way more talented than them Mm -hmm. so I I think you're right that it's it's got to be for this marketing or this reach thing, well, but it, like, why can't is. Activision just find that reach themselves? This be- is what I'm because saying. Because there's like- a difference there. It's it's a uh, they can, but this is different reach, and that's the thing. Is like when we make a video that we want it to go viral, quote unquote. It's like yeah, we have our built-in thing, and we have the our Twitter followings and our this and our that. But it's like that doesn't stop me from wanting to reach out to IGN and Gamespot and College Humor and Rooster Teeth. Hey, can you promote this too? And with King, this is one of those things. Candy Crush. 
I mean, I see it anytime I play any mobile game. The ad comes up and it's like, you want an extra uh, life for in Peggle? Then you need to watch this 10 second ad for this thing. Now Activision owns that. They can put whatever ads they want in front of that. They're going to make money from the ads. But more importantly than that, they can promote whatever they want. So now Hearthstone is now being seen by every single person casually playing Candy Crush. They're like, oh, I want to try something new. What's this thing that I keep seeing over and over? You know? Yeah, it's possible. Clash of, Cans, Clash of Clans. Ugh. So many millions of people play that game. Why? Just because there's commercials for it. And every fucking game has ads for that because they bought ads and everything. So it's like now if Activision controls that, they control so much. Like they can make anything they want popular. Tony they can Hawk. That, Tony, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Pro 5. Skater. You know? Be popular. But they, they, if they put ads for that everywhere, that game would sell so much more just based on people know about it. Oh, this is happening. You know, Call sure. of Duty yeah. now is going to sell more. I don't know. More. It, it's It's... I don't know. I don't. I'm really interested how this plays out and what their intent is. We will find out should the deal go through and it's going to go through. We'll see at E3 what Activision does with them immediately because there's got to be some sort of plan that's not latent in their mind. The plan that is immediately going to go into action. Activision is dumping a shit ton of money on this. This a lot of people's reputations are gonna are now mm-hmm. going to ride on this on this particular deal. This is not a trivial amount of money. This market cap of six billion dollars is bigger than a most a vast majority of companies in the world could ever even approach being worth. Yeah. Nonetheless nonetheless being acquired for that much money. This is not a trivial amount of money. You know, this is not six hundred million dollars. I mean this is one for, of the biggest things cap. in our industry ever. You know, when you think about the the sales, like the only things that come to mind are what you named like Star Wars being one of those things, and, and, uh, and with st- Oculus and Facebook. Yeah, exactly. And and all those deals were so much. And Star Wars for two-thirds the amount of money. I just don't understand. I, 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 I'm just like, what? Like, this to me reminds me of when Yahoo bought Game or GeoCities for $5 billion. That was the beginning of the end of the fucking dot-com era in the late 90s, early 2000s, was like, were deals like that. And I'm looking at this now, and I'm like, huh, I wonder... If we're getting so out of control with valuations now that this sparks the beginning of the end of the boom and the bubble that we're in now in terms of tech and in terms of gaming, because I'm like, this valuation cannot possibly be rooted in any sort of reality. But there's all of these mysteries that we don't know about that can certainly make it more more likely to be viable on a on a fucking ledger, which is what mm-hmm. they're looking at. And if so they can write this off and save a shit ton of money doing that or whatever the implications are that people have tweeting me again. I do not know. I have not read about it. Um I don't know, man. This, this was this, when I saw this. This was a fucking head scratcher. This interrupted my whole night when this was announced because I was like, I couldn't stop. <laughs> my whole I, night was ruined because I, I couldn't my stop thinking crush. about it. And I'm like, what? Like, that's uh, I could see King going for a couple billion, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, I know. I mean, it, it, the I number know. sounds I, outrageous. The number totally sounds outrageous. crazy. But then to stop and think now of just like, what is Activision? Activision is fucking Call of Duty, Blizzard, and Candy Crush. That's power, man. Like it's that power is, for now. The, to to me, I, I I think Activision again not a dumb company. I just think Call of Duty has reached its limit. I think that well, Destiny then you know Destiny like, is is huge. Yeah, Destiny is the next. Certainly, I would I would even say Destiny is way more important in their future now than Call of Duty. I think Call of Duty is on the wane. I think Destiny is on the is waxing right now. You know, like so I don't know, man. Like from a business perspective, I'm not a businessman. None of us are, but we do understand basic economics, and I have a lot of just basic questions about this about this deal. Um, and I hope that they talk more about it. I, I think that they're probably not going to say a goddamn word about it until the mm-hmm. deal goes through. So we're going to be waiting for a long time. And I wonder why they even announce. Like, I guess they have to announce it's a publicly it's traded public. company, but the deal has to go through all this, all this shit still in Ireland and stuff. So I, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of questions to be asked, but I'm certainly not the only person that's like highly skeptical of this. And like I said, I, I wrote a little something about it just on my Facebook page where I'm like, 
this has all the makings of like a genius move or Activision is going to eat shit. You know, like like one of those two things is very likely to happen. Yeah. And I'm and I'm interested to see. I have no problem with Activision at all. I hope that they succeed wildly. I think they put out good games, but for the most part. But yeah, something is fucking puzzling about this man and it's 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 ra- like i'm racking my brain like day after day thinking about it like what well, like why why you know reading about reading financials reading king's financials and just going through them and and i'm like okay lots of revenue really high profits but the based on this very fickle thing just like zynga was based on this very fickle thing you know for a little while and zynga looked like they're gonna take over the world and if you ask me in 2010 if they're gonna take over the world then no zynga sucks Mm-hmm. You know, but everyone said we were wrong and we were right. So I look at I just King doesn't make games that are are King makes games that are addictive and easy to understand. But they don't make games that are worth anything. But I mean, you know I, I think mean? Like, I think the thing there, though, is going back to it. It's the marketing and it's the fact that ads in front of those places are worth a lot of money, a shit ton of money. So even if the, the whales aren't there, the ad money's there. We'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll certainly see. To, the, to your point about them attracting, like, you know, cross-pollinating audiences and stuff, I just don't know that there's any evidence that that works at all. I, I think these are two... I mean, the people de- that play there definitely candy is. Like, with, when Flappy Bird came out, everything that was um, ad-targeted on Flappy Bird went, like, was oh, no. ridiculous. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The thing is that people that, the people that play Flappy Bird play fucking Call of Duty. I mean, that's that's kind of the thing. Like, when, if, So if someone, to your point that you're making earlier about the cross-pollination of, of IP, it's like, okay, so they show a Call of Duty... Uh, ad before you play Candy Crush are the people that play Candy Crush want to play Call of Duty they want to play Call of Duty match three because I mean that's that's, well, that's I mean, the thing though but I mean that could be it you know oh that still God. grows the brand of Call of I Duty guess. but or even with Hearthstone <laughs> you know like it's maybe not the jump to Call of Duty but it's at least brand awareness and it's definitely similar games or like getting them up that step you know go from super casual to kind of casual to you know generic to Hardcore, like I, I think that there is a a door that people you just got to lead them down the hallway. Sure, that, is I mean, that, that worth six point five billion dollars? I can't see how, but no, I, I think that the um, that if that's if that's part of the gamble, I think that's a big gamble. I hope that that wasn't part of their calculus because I don't think that's going to work out for them. Um, but if the gamble is just reach, if the gamble is just milking the shit out of King for as much as it's worth, and reduce like if Activision's ploy is like. You made five hundred. We don't. I don't know enough about King's financials to know like how they're spending their money. They probably live. They probably live very high over there, and they make a lot of money, so they can do whatever the fuck they want. And if Activision's ploy is like we're just taking the games and we're and you know God forbid because I don't want anyone to lose their jobs. Like you're, you guys are done. Like we're taking your games and we're taking all the infrastructure and a very core staff of people that understand how these games work and your marketing team and and out of the fourteen hundred people, a thousand of you are gone. And we're shutting down buildings and all this kind of thing. Then maybe their thing is like we will extract as much money out of these guys while we can. And maybe we can get that five hundred million dollars to a billion dollars a year, and we can just ride it for a few years and see what we where we are. That could also be part of the calculus. So I don't know. There's a lot of answers that you know questions that need to be answered about this. But yep. it's certainly one of the most fascinating business deals I remember ever happening in the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. Like that's for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, that topic is brought to you by Loot Crate. Would you classify yourself as a geek, gamer, or pop culture nerd? Then Loot Crate is the subscription box for you. Loot Crate is a subscription box service with $40 worth of geek, gamer, and pop culture gear, collectibles, apparel, comics, and more delivered to your mailbox every month. Make sure to head to LootCrate.com slash KFGames and enter code KFGames to save $3 on any new subscription. This month, they're bringing you a fight for the ages, suit up, choose your allies, and enter the arena for combat. They're ready to stand their ground this month with exclusive items from Blizzard, Fallout 4, 
Capcom, sponsor worthy loot from the Hunger Games, as well as a few more that will help their winners emerge victorious. Whether you're risking your life in battle or taking no prisoners in the wasteland, our loot will be at your side to help keep things interesting. Basically, loot creates like your homie that gives you nice things every month, and that's a great thing. Do we mention they shipped to over 13 different countries too? You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate, and when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over, Jack. Yeah. So go to lootcrate.com slash KFGames and enter code KFGames to save $3 on your new subscription today. I thought you were going to tease me. I thought you were going to do know. it. You tell us Jack I, like, I looked at you and you like did the look. I'm like, I got I was it. ready. I, I got to give it to him. Gotta Jack needs to hear about it. X, go and give it to you. X Tim, go and give it to you, too. Third topic of the day. It's this whole Konami deal. Oh, Let, no. Let's get right into this. Kotaku says, seeing how Konami took Kojima's name off the Phantom Pain's box art, dissolved his studio, and canned Silent Hills, it's hard to see him staying on for the uh, for, you know for any of the stuff, especially considering the rumors about Konami's work environment. Recently, Kojima said what seemed to be his goodbye to the series. Then, Konami confirmed the Konami LA studio has been closed and said, when we start development, a large-scale investment will become necessary, in reference to the next Metal Gear game. While the paper reports that Konami is merely examining plans for another Metal Gear, Konami previously stated it would continue making more games in the stealth series so guys what does all this mean for the industry konami's getting out of triple um, a games totally yeah we, we talked about it that was the thing it seemed that we, that was the rumor forever right with the rift between him and kojima the fight over all this stuff so, you know, so on and so forth they released metal gear online four weeks ago tops mm-hmm. i don't even remember it was october right second week of october and uh now they're already closing down the studio that made that part. That was the that were the guys who were like working on that game. They're gone now. They say that in their press release, of course, that now it's just moving to Japan. People are still working on this game. They'll still support it. It's still coming to PC, you know, next mm-hmm. year or whatever. It's like okay, we'll see how supported it really is and what that means. But yeah, I think it's all platitudes in the way of uh, Konami acting like they're still going to do it. But I don't think they are. This also jumps back to the sales that came out for how Metal Gear Solid sold, right? Yeah, 5, Five million, million units. It's like that a month. That's good. It's not great. It's not the juggernaut numbers. And I'm sure the people at Konami who are saying, let's get out of the console business, we make more money on Pachinko. We make more money on these things. We do, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're now pointing this and saying, see, we were right. It took him how long to make this game? How many millions of dollars? And this is what it returns immediately. Like, let's change our focus. Let's get out of here and let's go this way. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. I'm saying that they need, what, what's the exact wording here? That the, for the next scale thing to happen, they're going to need a, a large investment, right. is what they're saying. Well, so they're going like, to. I mean, they're definitely going to. Yeah. It costs a lot of money to make a game like Metal Gear. I mean, the, 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 purported room, the rumor about Metal Gear's development was about $80 million, which is not out of control for a AAA game. I mean, AAA games go way higher than that. Um, this brought up an interesting question. Another conversation I was having, ha- uh, having with some folks on NeoGAF uh, based on a conversation we were having on PS I Love You with anecdotal evidence about the way a game makes money. And people are talking about, well, Sony or, or Konami grossed whatever, $180 million, so they're already profitable. I'm like, that's not how it works. Um, gro- the money a game grosses is irrelevant. It's completely fucking irrelevant. That means it, it, that generally means, unless there's caveats, that the gross at register at retail, we sold X amount of copies at $60 and we grossed X amount of money. Mm-hmm. That's irrelevant because it doesn't. it doesn't take into account anyone's cut. It doesn't take into account taxes. It doesn't take into account all of this shit. By the time the money falls to Konami, how much money do they have? Mm-hmm. And Konami's not interested, by the way, in breaking even. Mm-hmm. They're interested in making money. So if if they invested $80 million five years ago, then A, they're going to need more like $100 million to break yeah. even today because of inflation. And then they want to make money on top of that. They mm-hmm. need to make, ha- so they can have capital investment to put into the next game. I think Greg's right in the sense, and we've talked about this, that Five million. I don't have any baseline of what my expectation was with Metal Gear to sell, other than I thought it was going to do better than five million in a month. Now, those numbers to me seem soft based on the the incredible um, 
you know, pull of the game. This game has great gravity to a lot of hardcore gamers, and those sales don't seem that impressive to me. I I, I think fi- I mean most. As we were talking to our friends, uh, you know, in the industry about it, people would murder for five million. Yeah, of units course, sold. So I'm not mm-hmm. trying to say that that's not like an impressive thing. It's a that's a great success for a vast majority of games. But for Metal Gear, I expected a little bit more. Yeah, and I especially wonder across four skews. Exactly. And so I wonder if. So a like I don't know if it's profitable. I really don't because the eighty million dollar rumored cost, and I'm not sure if Konami ever said that. I mean, I've read that before. But let's assume it's eighty million dollars. That is the money that it needed to develop the game. What about marketing the game? Yeah. How much did that cost? And then how much did the studio, like, or the the publishing apparatus, have to pay to just you know, like, how much does HR cost you over five years? How much does does you know having just a, an HQ dealing with first parties to, mm-hmm. to 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 test the games? How much focus testing costs you? How much? Or even just like, time, like the yeah. time that it takes to promote the game, the time for marketing. Uh, even aside from the cost, you know, when it's like E3 and stuff, there needs to be so much planning and so much stuff that goes into the presentations and the trailers and the this and the that. In addition to the to like you know traditional marketing of ads, and right. Commercials and exactly. There's just a lot of things up in the air about what this game costs to make. It was in development for a very long time and. Um, so yeah, they say that they're interested in doing the next Metal Gear game, and I'm sure that they are interested in that. I'm not sure that they're going to pull out of AAA development completely, but you know, maybe not yet. Maybe I'm, I'm sure that seems to be the desire with some of them is to minimize, you know, to mitigate risk to make them the most amount of money. And and you don't mitigate risk when you have AAA games because they take huge investments, and you don't get that money back for years. So, um, and you just don't know how it's going to work out. Plus, if I were Konami, I'd be very very scared of moving forward Metal Gear without Kojima, not because they can't make a great game or an even better game without Kojima, because they can. If they find the right people, it's like, what does what do your what do the consumers think about that? Mm-hmm. Are people going to be there for Metal Gear Solid Six when you shit all over the guy? It seems like the guy that is responsible for the series to begin with and had a very bad, tenuous relationship. And let's just say that it was all Kojima's fault. That's not going to matter to anyone. That's mm-hmm. not I mean, played that's, in the press. Everyone yeah, thinks it, Konami's the evil person that did this and forced out the guy they loved. Right? Exactly. Like yeah. for all we know, Konami could like we might find out when the story started to be told that Kojima was a, was a rampant fucking egomaniac and a prima donna. And who knows? I'm not saying that that's mm-hmm. true or that's false. I'm just saying we don't know the whole story. There might yet. be it's justification. Always, exactly. Yet it's always going to play out against Konami's favor. So they might be looking at it being like, we just need to distance ourselves from all of this. Any, yeah. Anymore. Yeah. So there's a lot of questions about that I have about, about uh, this particular situation. And it's not surprising that the LA studio was shut down. What's surprising to me is that, um, they've not been very good about communicating any of this stuff. I mean, saying Kojima was on vacation when, when, yeah. they, when the guy who broke the story is like tweeting out pictures of him at his fucking going away party is um, classic. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's the thing. And that's the whole thing is like Konami has been tone deaf on this front the entire way. Oh, sorry. And so I wonder how much they worry about what the audience thinks of them or whatever. You know what I mean? They, they haven't stopped to try to clear this up. They haven't made it clear what's happening. They are, you know, they're only putting out this statement about LA now, but as far as we know, Kojima's still on vacation. You know yeah. what I mean? There still hasn't been confirmation. And he's probably technically on vacation because they're probably paying him to exactly, the, the year or Exactly, like exactly. So it's just all it's all it's all a battle a battle of, you know, weird words and like what they mean. And and yeah, exactly what they mean. I don't know. We'll I find see. it so bizarre. If you would ask me when I mean when we were talking about Metal Gear and reviewing and doing all that stuff, what, how this would play out, I would have said that like like it was pretty I think the rumors always been December is when Kojima's number is up, right? That he can actually be gone and free or whatever. I would have said we would hear in December that he was leaving and then the LA studio would have been closed early twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. I think it's crazy that it's closed this close to Metal Gear Online. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, especially to online. Like, to the game releasing, I think it's even close. That, well, online. the game releasing, like, Metal Gear's, the Phantom Pain, that was all done at Kojima's, you know, Japan studio. So I understand there's mm-hmm. nothing there. But for online, this thing you just put out, and now it's like, 
There's no future for that game. I don't care what you're saying. If it's being, they're talking about it being like, no, we're bringing staff on to the Japan team and they're working on it. And it's like, no, I don't. I don't believe that they are. I don't believe there will be support for that game from here on out. And I don't believe it was a game that was like it. Ha- it hasn't turned heads right like we played it here and did whatever and i haven't heard anyone talk about it since then and yeah. there's a hardcore following for it sure i'm not saying that yeah, yeah, yeah. but i'm saying but, I mean, it's you're not. the fucking metal gear 5 dude right and yeah it's like it didn't hook you in the way that has you playing every day so. yeah yeah, yeah. Man, so what do you with all of this then with with kojima on vacation and with him putting out the uh the, <laughs> that's still my favorite thing. The, the video that you were in where he kind of yeah. was like you know that really that video felt like a wrap-up for him sure you yeah, know yeah, that yeah. was the goodbye to the series and um where, where do you guys see it now with it's official that the LA studio shut down Kojima's on vacation. When do we hear about this stuff? Do you think it's still December? I think December. Yeah. They put it out. Cause you figure that makes sense on a lot of levels. First, I think it's contractual. It would be the reason I've heard of why that's like the thing that's been kicked around the rumor forever. But on top of that, it's just like people are away from the computers. The new cycle is very quiet. You know what I mean? Like, People are you know, IGNs and GameSpots are taking vacations. Kind of funny, he's taking a vacation, right? So it's like it'll be a press release and it'll be up, but there, will there be videos to react to and outrage to have and all this different yeah. stuff? And then the real question is, when does he talk about it? That's what fucking fascinates me to no end, right? Mm-hmm. Like if the, if it's true that it's December that everything ends for him, like then what happens next? You know what I mean? PSX, he comes out and announces an exclusive crash bandicoot holy shit yeah, right jesus yeah there's there's so the 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 hanging the hanging chads as it were for this for this remaining for the like what remains for the story are going to be fascinating in the sense that the story about kojima is going to be told it's not going to be told by him it's going to be told by you have to assume by he's probably going to be contractually obligated not to talk for a long time yeah you have to assume that it's going to be told by proxies and anonymous sources and these stories are probably going to start coming out early next year and i, I this is a story that must be told and whoever really gets to the bottom of the story is going to have a lot of respect for me because this is going to be a tough one um, to chase. And like I said about The Last Guardian and Timiko and all that kind of stuff, this is a story that's probably better known in the Japanese press. And because there's a language barrier, um, we don't we're not going to get the scoop right away. Um, just like I assume that, you know, the, the, the shit with Yoeda and all that kind of stuff at Sony is was well known in Japanese press, like off the record for a long time, just like we know a bunch of shit off the record about a bunch of things, too. So it's it's. It's going to be fascinating what we figure out about that, but it's also going to be, there's two other things that are going to be really interesting. What is Kojima going to do and where is he going to land? And I, I am, I am dead set on there being a fucking major bidding war and I do not think he's going to go independent. I think he's going to end up with a publisher um, because they can fund his games. And then Konami's in a lot of trouble because any of the remaining talent there that's loyal to him, he's going to poach them all. So, um, so I'm interested to see like what happens with yeah. that and like what the bloodbath might be at some of these studios, especially Kojima's studio in Japan, if he's just like, we're take, we're all going, yeah. you know? And, um, and then if Metal Gear costs $80 million and Sony and Activision, all these guys are like, we'll give you a hundred million dollars in four yeah. years and just go to do whatever. And that's what you excites want. I think me that the most. They, I think that is going to happen. I love that because I, I love that Kojima is one of the only people where I don't care what project he's working on. Him being involved makes me excited about it. Silent Hills is a perfect example. Don't care about that series at all. Him being attached to that. I'm instantly like, I'm playing that. Yeah. That sounds great. Add him to any series that I don't really have an attachment to. If he made the next Titanfall, I'd be interested in that. He makes the next Call of Duty, I would care. Fallout, you know, fall whatever it was, I would play Fallout. You know, like I would want to know what that was. So Seems like, like he got some influences from open world games. Uh, here's the thing about this with Kojima: is we talk about the deficit of trust that Konami is going to have without him, and the deficit of, um, you know, like you? authority almost over their games without him a mat- And this is why I think that the publishers are going are, are probably already and are going to continue to fall over themselves to get him is the surplus of fucking 
non like the, the, the just the, the stuff you can't pay for to get along with the game. How much will increase the perception of a brand to have Kojima on board? How much does it increase the perception of a brand if Sony goes to Kojima and says, we want that horror game. So here's a hundred million dollars. Go get Guillermo del Toro. Start writing in four years. You know, like what is that? Like, that's what I think that he might want to be independent in a way. But when he gets that money, when he gets that push and when he's and these opportunities and when the publishers are like getting Kojima on board for us, is going to make us look very, very good. Just like Konami looks very, very bad, regardless, as I said, of what the reality behind the scenes is. It's going to look really good for them. I can't wait to see how it all pans out, man. And mm-hmm. I was Kojima. I'd be sitting back waiting because it's going to come for him. Like, yeah, you want to be, be enjoying your vacation? <laughs> no. Well, I would be because I'd probably be being paid and just hanging out. But I'm sure that his, you know, it's 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 what we said a million times with like when Amy Hennig left Naughty Dog. I can't imagine the offers that she got. You know, so mm-hmm. it's 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 worth considering. You know that he that he's going to end up in one of these big, big big places. And I would not. I still say that it's. I still say Sony in my mind is like one of those places where I'm like, this is so obvious. You know, for them, like it's it's too obvious. Sony was over there. Oh, you want to go NX? I mean, that'd be a big thing too if Nintendo wanted to throw. NX launches with Kojima's new game. Well, oh, that wouldn't be possible. Bodokai three, Bakai, Bodokai. <laughs> and I think there was there a two. I think that, is that there, what we're there skipping. Might, there <laughs> might, I don't know. The original Bakai was interesting. Interesting game. Like that topic Bakshui. brought to you by DraftKings. Football season marches on, and while your season-long fantasy team might be going nowhere fast, every week it's a new shot for glory at DraftKings.com. DraftKings is the destination for one-week fantasy football, where you can relive the fantasy draft and play for huge prizes each and every week. Challenge your friends in a custom league, or join an existing one to play for your share of the billion dollars in prizes up for grabs this year. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now. Use promo code KINDOFUNNY and play for free with your first deposit in Sunday's million dollar fantasy football contest. First place takes home a hundred grand and a lifetime of bragging rights. Enter KINDOFUNNY for free now. Yes. Wait, what? <laughs> Enter the code KINDOFUNNY? Enter code KINDOFUNNY for Enter free. Enter KINDOFUNNY now. Now Kids only are coming through the screen. at DraftKings.com. <laughs> That's DraftKings.com. <laughs> The final topic of the day, as always, brought to you by the beautiful people that are yourselves. The beautiful people. Over at kindoffunny.com. <laughs> slash forums. <laughs> Go to the GameCast topic, or GameCast uh, thread. Sub forum. Go to the thread. Fill out the stuff. You can also go to kindoffunny.com slash gamescast topic. That's an easier way and to do it. And it'll be a good old time. I should have just said that from yeah. the beginning. But the, uh, the first question comes from our boy Alex Cross, who we yesterday did a Google Hangout with. Right. Excellent. Kid. Supported us over at patreon.com slash fan of that guys. And uh, he had a question for us that I'm like, ah, oh, I like that a lot. What would get you to pre-order a game? You know, we live in this world where back in the day, pre-orders to me at least felt a little bit more natural as part yeah, of the Yeah, there was limited supply. Yeah, so I wanted to make sure I got F-Zero GX on the GameCube. You know, sure. I wanted to make sure Devil May Cry 2. <sighs> so upset about that, but I wanted it. Right. Um, all those things, it was just more of like, a, I know I'm going to buy this game, so I might as well. Do you pre-order games often? I did. Now, though. Never. Really? And I mean, well, that's the thing. Yeah, never. Like, do you guys? Yeah. Really? No. I mean, but I mean, what I don't think pre-order means what it used to mean. Pre-order to me used to mean, oh, man, I want Perfect Dark on day one, so I'm going to go do it. And, hey, I got a fanny pack out of the deal. That was whatever. Cool. I got that. You'd go there because I, I, I had those 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 days where I'd show up at uh, EB and I'd electronics boutique still. I'd go into EB and try to get the game. And they'd be like, oh, we only got two and we're out. And then you go to Target and they didn't have it. And, you know, you'd be screwed. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's why I started pre-ordering. Now I 
digitally pre-order everything if i if i'm gonna buy it right i'm like oh i want that if i if we're not gonna get it you know through a review thing or whatever when it comes down to that point i'm like well i want that i want to make sure i have that to go as soon as possible and that for me it comes down to brand loyalty more than anything right like i know like here's a great example right fallout 4 fallout 4 is announced finally hooray i'm gonna buy fallout 4 for sure i'm probably gonna love fallout 4 for sure awesome but then they say we're putting out the limited edition with the pit boy and i'm like i Love Bethesda. I love the Fallout brand, and I'm a big enough fan that I know I want that and put my stupid phone in it. So at the, during the conference, right, I pre-ordered it to make sure I had it because I knew that would be a limited run of yeah. that thing, right? But like that, what motivated me to get Fallout 4 right then and there on the day was the fact that it was a limited edition, special edition for a franchise I already know I love and a, and a developer I like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's what motivated me to do it in that point. If I hadn't done it, and now here we were, and we're coming up on Tuesday, 9, 9.01 p.m., you know what I mean, Pacific time out here, I guess Monday, 9.01 Pacific time, I'd still be like, all right, cool. If I hadn't gotten the game through Hook or Crook by now, I would have, I'd would i pre-order it and do it just so I'm ready to go. It's pre-loaded. Yeah. For me, pre-ordering is pre-loading, so it's ready to go, right? I did it with Batman Arkham Knight. Batman Arkham Knight was coming up, and I'm like, I already know that I love Rocksteady. I already know that I love Batman, and I went and bought the premium edition. So mm-hmm. that at nine oh one p.m., I was ready to go, and I was in the ready to. You know what I mean? Like I had no doubts about it. I'm not pre-ordering every game I'm interested in, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's enough games that come out, and I'm like, man, I'd see how that one turns out before I throw money at it. But when it's Rocksteady, when it's Bethesda, when it's whoever, I know that I want it, and I'm at a fever pitch of excitement, and I want to play it right away. Yeah, I, for me, a long time ago, it was like more of a pit boy type situation where it's like where there's something that I want that I couldn't yeah. get otherwise. So with uh, Zelda with Wind Waker, if you pre-ordered, you got that the Master Ocarina of Time and um, Majora's Mask, the Master ma- Quest, yeah, whatever. The Master Quest, yeah. And I'm like, well, shit, of course. I need that. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, other random things like Soul Calibur 2, you got the soundtrack CD. I'm really into video game soundtracks. That entices me. Yeah. Um, had Mario Galaxy come with the soundtrack, I would have wanted to pre-order for sure. You know. So there's certain things like that. If it's a fucking fanny pack or whatever, that was always just kind of like that shit. I never really cares? wanted, right? Yeah. I remember when I like Maximo Ghost of Glory. I was uh-huh. like totally like I looked I read the previews boxers. exactly. I love the pre the previews and all this stuff. And that was the first game I ever ordered off of uh, GameStop.com uh. and had it delivered, and it came and I opened up and had a pair of boxers in there. I was like, oh. Cool. That's not what motivated me, right? It was the ease and convenience of having it delivered to my dorm and not having to yeah. try to get a ride out to the mall to go get it. And I guess that's the other thing is like with Amazon, especially with Prime, it's just kind of like, all right, if you pre-order it, you'll get it the, day, the first day. And see, this is what I'm talking about is that pre-order to me no longer means pre-order to get something. I pre-ordered that Doctor Who level pack, right? I played Lego Dimensions. I'm in love with Lego Dimensions. The Doctor Who uh, part of the Lego Dimensions campaign, I was like, this is really fun. And the level packs have been great. Fuck y'all. And I just clicked the button and forgot about it because I didn't want to today have to go out or yesterday yeah. go out and try and find it. Right? It just shows up. I'm like, oh, great. Perfect. And with Amazon now, which is their new thing where like, I'm not too sure of the details of this, but it's essentially it's as fast as humanly possible to yeah. get the thing from you ordering it to it coming to you. And a big push for them is wherever Amazon now is available for Black Ops 3's launch, they'll get it to you for midnight, like for that oh, nice. midnight launch. And it's like, we're just getting closer and closer to things like that where there is no even reason to ever leave your house. Right. And, and that's the thing, right? Like midnight launches used to be a thing. Or just, I mean, they still are a thing, right? Yeah. But now when there's a game I want that bad for what I'm, I'm already saying, it, right? 901, 901, 901. I just digitally get it, right? Mm-hmm. Or if it's if it's like something I need physically, which is like the Lego thing, then just get it yeah. to me. Well, that's you know. my biggest problem the digital thing where I like the physical copy so much, but yeah. then that creates problems because I wanted it 901, but I can't get it then. I need to wait right. till midnight and it's, it's, well, it's like when I got you a code for Metal Gear Solid 5 and then you bought Metal Gear Solid 5 Gear so Solid you had 5. the box. Yeah, I really <laughs> wanted it. It's worth it. It looks really good. No, pretty. I, I hear you. I'm with you. But is yeah, I don't anything? think pre-order means what it means anymore. Yeah, no, for sure. But is there anything that can make you pre-order a game? 
I used to pre-order a lot of games because, I mean, back in the day, um, PS1, PS2 era, I would say GameCube and all that kind of stuff is because it was just a way for me to pay the game off ahead of time. Yep. It was like me, like it's like why I clean the house on Saturday so I don't have to do anything for football on Sunday. It's because everything's done and then I'm ready to go. So that was the only reason I used to do it. I didn't want like anything out of it. The last games I remember like really going and pre-ordering were like uh, Resident Evil Zero and like the Resident Evil re-releases on GameCube. I don't know why I remember that so well. And I was in 2003, I think. So I, I didn't I didn't do much pre-ordering after that. Uh, people have to remember that back, especially in the cartridge era, uh, there really were a finite amount of games. It, it wasn't clear that games would be republished mm-hmm. ever. Um, because of the allocation of chips were expe- were expensive and the allocation of cartridges were it was hard. The example I use is Rings of Power was Naughty Dog's uh, Genesis game. It was an RPG, and that game had I think one round of publishing of like a hundred or hundred twenty thousand cartridges, and the game was successful. Um, but as far as I understand, uh, EA couldn't let them publish more copies of the game because the allocation of chips and cartridges were spent on Madden, and so they couldn't. They're like, we have no cartridges. Right. And so, so there, in other words, there was an imperative to pre-order back in the day if you really wanted something because it was not clear because there was no digital alternative and there was no, back in the day, I mean, they did it a little bit on NES and on SNES, but not not to the degree they did it on PS1 and PS2, like the, the classics kind of series where mm-hmm. they, they discount it. That really became a thing more, I mean, that was became a really common thing with, with PS1 games, especially with the green, the green spine Very PS1 sense. games and then the red spine PS2 games. Um, but now there's an infinite amount of games. Mm-hmm. So there's no real reason to pre-order anything unless you want one of the pre-order bonuses, uh, DLC or whatever physical good it is. Because if there, if if Metal Gear Solid Five is going to sell 20 million copies, let's say, I mean, it's not going to, but let's say it it it, it did, and they only published 10 million, 10 million of them. Well, there's an infinite amount of them you can download. It's not yeah. like there's, so. What would have me pre-order is a discount. Yeah. And I think, oh, and that's I think, another thing. Yeah. Um, so like Gamers Club Unlocked from Best Buy. I don't know how familiar you are with this. It's a fucking great deal. You pay X amount of money a year for it, and like there's discounts on it all the time that make it like dirt cheap. Like you can get it for like twenty, thirty dollars for a year, and you get so many things that entices you to pre-order because it's like pre-orders you get five dollars off, and it's like if you buy games like every month, that shit adds up so yeah, quickly. I think that's an enticing reason to pre-order. Yeah, should you have to pay to pre-order? But yeah. Darth Kovac says, "Hi guys, love your content. The topic is, what's the game you spent the most time in?" I think the the highest I've ever seen it my in-game clock was 110 hours, which isn't that much. Yeah. Um in Final Fantasy 10, cuz I wanted all the legendary weapons and all the blitzball bullshit and I wanted everything. I wanted it, I platinumed that game yeah. for all intents and purposes. And I would it, it was my routine every day I'd play and I played that game over a year and I would just play a little, like half hour here, half hour here, half hour here until that all happened. But I definitely think the game that I spent the most time in is Smash Bros. Specifically, I would probably give it to Brawl, like the most time dedicated to. Yeah. Um, Brawl, Melee, and then the Wii U one. But if you count Smash Bros as just one thing. As a franchise. Then definitely. For sure. That's hundreds and hundreds of hours. Sure. I mean, for me, I it's hard because like so many games don't put clocks on them, right? But I guess... I can't think of. I mean, like you're talking about. I was talking about Metal Gear Solid Two, right? That I platinum that. I did everything. I had the memory card. I've heard that story. But the in terms of sheer numbers, it's DC Universe Online, right? Like I'm 600 hours into that game. Last time they did a poll of my numbers, which is like sounds like a lot, right? But then you got Steimer at the end of the hall who put like what? It's she's put in couple uh, like thousand something or other hours into guild wars 2 like i mean like that's just crazy that's just how mmos are though right yeah. like i'm sure people now with destiny are in that yep. same loop of like, like how many- that's the thing like alfredo i can't even imagine how many hours he's put into his competitive shooting stuff yeah yeah, like, yeah. halo as a franchise 
Holy shit. Like even Counter Strike. The people that play Counter Strike, my God, because yeah. they've been playing that since for years. fucking yeah, forever. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, scary. Yeah, I don't know. It's impossible for me to say. Um I've never spent a thousand hours with anything. Um probably or games anyone. that probably games that I've 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 uh I wrote guides for back in the day, I would say like Grand Theft Auto Four is probably one I spent a lot of time with Fallout Three, I spent about three months with. Um so, you know, nine to five basically. So I mean that's a lot of time. Um but typically, you know, a game that I'll play for fun. I mean, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose 50 hours. I'm going to be like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. That's just the way I am now. I used to be much more patient with, and I wanted to spend more time with games back in the day. Cause I felt like I was getting more bang for my buck, but it's just, I'm an adult and I, I, you know, now and then you have a little bit more disposable income and you don't have to, you're not married to these fucking. The minute you know, something doesn't consumer have you, decisions. you get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, I kind of pride myself more on not spending a lot of time with a lot of these games anymore because it's it means that there's a more variety of games to play and there's other things to do. You know, I could never have spent a thousand hours with a game. I, I just can't imagine a game even existing that would be so good in my mind that I would spend a thousand hours with it or five hundred or two hundred hours. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it, I don't know. Yeah, that's just me. Amnesiac says, "Hi guys, just wondering what your thoughts are on emulation and video game piracy." Pirating a game that is still purchasable from the publisher on PSN or the Virtual Console, for instance, is wrong because you are not giving money to the people who created the game. But what about used games or games that aren't easy to find anymore? Take Little Samson on the NES, for example. That game fetches absurd amounts of money on the web, costs about $800, and has extremely little to no chance of ever being re-released in any form. So is it really that bad if you can if you pirate it? Also, the creators aren't getting any of your money when you buy a used game either. What's your take on emulation and piracy, and when is it justifiable? I think I might be looser than you are, guys, without hearing your answers. Like, to me, I think piracy is just part of the world and part of how things work nowadays in the modern world. And they have been for the past 10 years. And while it is a bad thing, I think that the positives of it overcome the negatives in the sense that the people that aren't buying it, majority of them aren't going to buy it no matter what. But I do think that you are getting more people to buy it based on trying it out, seeing if they like it and then getting into it. It's whether it's games, movies, music, anything people are going to, if they're trying to steal it, they're going to steal it. There's no way to, to police that. So I think that it's just something you just kind of, kind of got to deal with. Like I, I think that when it comes to the emulation and shit, I love it. It's a way for me to play games that I love. It's a way for me to play games that I didn't know about that people have talked about before that I just want to, try and see if I like it. If they do release it on PSN or virtual console and all that, yeah, I'll I'll want to buy it. But at the same time, a lot of the times emulation is better than their emulation. All that is is emulation. Mm-hmm. So it's a question of money and where that money's going and all of that. And I don't know. I'll put my money where I need to put my money. But I think that if it's available and if you find a way to make it all work so that you can emulate games and stuff, that's on you. That's not the general populace, and that's not going to really make a big dent in anything. Same shit with, with us in videos. There's so many ways to scheme things to, to get all our shit free, even the stuff that we don't put out there free. It's a trust game, and it's one of those things where if we put out good products, people are going to want to pay for it, and if they see it for free, they're going to want it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you're off base. I mean, like, you know, we always talk about supporting developers by new instead of use. That's in the moment. You know what I mean? That's that's I'm talking about in the moment. I'm talking about right now. You go out to buy Fallout 4, buy it new so you get that. So the numbers are out. Don't wait for somebody to trade it in. You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about in that moment. We're talking about an NES game and stuff like that. It's 
muddled. He's making the point, right? And like that money's not going to the developers anymore. If it's going for eight hundred dollars or whatever on eBay, yeah. that's going to one person. And also, I I would argue most people are trying to collect that, not get it to play it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Not to have it that they want to round out. You're their, telling me people don't want to play Little Samson? No, they want to play. It. That's why they're emulating it. I'm talking about they don't want to play that one cartridge. They're spending eight hundred dollars mm-hmm. trying to round out a collection, right? Mm-hmm. So when we get down to that point, I have no. I, I it's one of those things we always talk about with like. What's happening with video game history? Who's looking after all this? Where is all this going? You know what I mean? Is somebody cataloging everything so people can see where you've come? And when you talk about that, then that's when emulation pops up and isn't a bad thing. You know what I mean? Piracy, piracy's bad in so many ways. You know what I mean? But I don't think in this sense it is because where can you easily go to get those games and figure that out? Mm-hmm. Is Little Samson on the Virtual Console? No, I, no exactly never, right, no. exactly, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. Who that's even wants the rights to that game anymore? Mm-hmm. The, so Big Samson. I, I'm, I'm of, uh, you know, I, I feel that my, my appetite for, uh, for piracy or emulation really varies depending on what we're talking about in the games we're talking about. We have to start from an intellectually honest place with it, right? If you're emulating or you're pirating something, you're stealing it. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's old or new. You're stealing it. And what you're doing is wrong and illegal in the, in the main, right? I yeah. mean, and, and that's just where we have to start with the conversation. So I start from that place because I think that if a game is currently available and easy to find and reasonable to find, then it's probably wrong to pirate it. So that even might go back to your PS2 or your PS1. I mean, depending on the game you're talking about, but I think at some point just being again, intellectually honest, is it really financially destructive for you to, to emulate on Nesticle Batman from Sunsoft, which has no prayer of ever seeing the light of day again? Probably not. What you're doing is illegal, but is it as illegal or unsavory as murder going on uh going on a torrent and downloading Ex Machina, which just came out in the theater and is still very easy and cheap to find if you want to watch it as a movie, right? So we have to I think we have to kind of look at these things in in different kinds of ways. I don't think that it's necessarily wrong. It might actually be positive in some ways um for people to be able to emulate NES games because a lot of younger people or people that don't have the means to acquire these games will never have an opportunity to play what I think is the greatest catalog of games ever. Um, so I think we just have to start from an intellectually honest place, call it what it is, but then discuss what our appetite is for it, depending on where we are and what we're talking about. I don't think all things are necessarily created equal. And I think when a game is completely out of print and impossible to find and all that kind of stuff, then who like is what you're doing as is illegal? Yeah. Are you necessarily hurting anyone? Probably not. Do I endorse you doing this necessarily? No. I mean, I, 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 again, like I, I think it's it's fine. You do what you want. It's up yeah. to you. But I just think that we have to just be, you know, it's the same thing I always talk about with ad blocking. I use an ad blocker now because I have read too much about these malware ads fucking people's computers up, and I'm like, all right, that's on you guys now. Like that's not on me anymore. Like if this is really what's happening with ads and they're fucking things up, then show me your ads when I know they're safe. Until then, I'm not playing this game where my computer might get fucked up or whatever. So, in other words, the impetus is on them to fix the problem. And some might argue in, in this in this regard that the impetus is on the license holders to proliferate these games if they don't want th- things to be pirated, but it's not always that easy. So yeah. Um, so it's a very muddled gray area, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's all it is. It's not good or bad. It's just muddled, muddled and fucked up. Yeah. And your I mean, opinion on it and your approach to it is going to be different. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the funny thing about this is, like, is it bad and is it wrong and is it stealing and is it whatever? Some of those things have answers and some of them don't. It is stealing. But guess what? Posting a picture you found on Google Images on your Twitter is stealing as well. So is that wrong? Are they equally wrong? Who knows? And that's what I'm saying. It's just the digital era has really, really confused the situation um, and made things difficult. 
and there's just hundreds of I mean really when you really get down to it by the time we're older there are going to be hundreds of thousands of games and of all stripes and all types and all indie to triple A and all these kinds of things and like and to Greg's point who's keeping an eye on this stuff that's important too um from an historical point of view but it's funny to see like some of these emulators not be able to deal with certain things I remember there was an mm-hmm. SNES I think SNES X or whatever I don't remember what it was called uh, couldn't X9. do could, okay. X not yeah something like that couldn't do mode seven or something like that it would like and then there are there are games today that are totally intentionally broken for people that pirate them which I think is totally funny and fine yeah to do and I love hearing oh, that was stories. funny yeah the devout devs who put stuff in to trip people up yeah like yeah. that like games just cannot be passed mm-hmm. um if you pirated them and I think that that's fine too so there's ways for them to combat them um I do agree with your assessment anecdotally that there is no evidence that a person who pirates a game is necessarily intending on buying it but there might be the rare person that pirates it with no intention of buying it and then does buy it. So I mean, that's is, the is there, is there, the is, is there a benefit that. to it? There might be a benefit to it. I don't know. I mean, that was always the argument with Napster and shit like that back in the day too. And I don't think that was true. The music industry is you know, fucking dying compared to the way it was 15 years ago. So it does, it does move both ways. It is a super complicated issue. And I, my only thing is that I encourage people to play the games as they were intended to be played if, and when at all possible. So if you if you can get an NES, especially a top loading NES and acquire those cartridges, you should do that because that is the way the game's played. And with with so few moving parts, no moving parts in an NES or an SNES, those those car, those consoles will last a lot longer than, hold up. than PS4 will mm-hmm. um, to why, you know, to which is why people are confused about, you know, or concerned about, well, what, how will I play these digital games? And I'm like, well, that'll be figured out later. Um, that's the other thing that bothers me is that everyone, you know, there's some people that act like it's like this some sort of noble pirating is like some sort of noble thing you do to like sustain history and i'm like come on that's why i'm saying like let's just be honest about the intent of it and go from there you know it's, final it's question final question of the day comes from geeklet what's the last gamer console that you waited in, in a midnight line for none we last console for me was we um that was question yeah okay well game or console oh i'm sorry i thought he said game yeah, console yeah, yeah. i see game, what, i see what you're talking about game I for me was brawl Even though I had it already. Yeah. Because I had the Japanese one. But then there was a tournament at GameSpot. Stop. You got to go. I was like, I had to do this. Fucking kick some ass because I had been playing for three months and those motherfuckers hadn't. See, I was such a big pre-order. I don't, I can't think of uh, a game line I stood in, right? Because I was always like, I'm not going to stay up till midnight. I'll wake, wake up in the morning or go mm-hmm. after class or do whatever at the store. I mean, I got the Wii U, but it wasn't, I mean, the Wii U was, wasn't a midnight release. It was a 8 a.m. release. So I went at like four in the morning. And waited for that. Totally worth it to come home and play New Super Mario. Wasn't Wars it? Well, I mean, speaking of pre-orders, I mean, this is, I mean, pre-ordering hardware was such a no-brainer. Yeah, right. And that's why like, I didn't need to be there at midnight. Like, I'll go the next day and get. It. I never waited in line once for like anything, like that, like nothing. PS2 is not like a the single thing. I can think of the only consoles I can think mm-hmm. of where I waited in line. Games-wise, I can't think of anything. Wow, there were so many games during that generation that I did. See, games, so games were always like when I was into a game, like, and I always tell the story of WrestleMania 2000, right? Like when I was fucking in on WrestleMania 2000, I knew that someone in the area would break street date, mm-hmm. and that's why I'd come home from school and call down a list of stores asking right. about it. And inevitably, I'd get to, like I remember, WrestleMania 2000 was the Walmart. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, yeah, do you have WrestleMania 2000? Like, yeah. And I was like, what? Thank you. What? Wait, what? Do you? Will you have it? And he's like, yeah. On N64, I'm like, yeah. Will you hold it? Like, no. I'm like, all right. And run out to the Taurus in there, tear out, dry, yeah. like fucking freaking out. Because that was the thing of like, I have to get it now. Yeah, before this is any, it. Yeah, this yeah. is the one. Before any manager shows up and realizes this is we three days early. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now that can't happen anymore. I was at so many midnight releases. Halo 2, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. 
There's just so many games during that generation. Any game that had a real midnight release thing, because back then it wasn't everything. See, now that's what I feel everything. like. I feel like like when I like when you're talking about Grand Theft Autos and stuff like that. I remember getting those on release day and stuff. But I and I'm talking about in Columbia. Like I don't think the Columbia Mall did midnight launches oh, for that stuff. They definitely did here. Like for my Wii, right? I I went to the Columbia Mall at like three or four in the morning or whatever where all the mall walkers are going and then just sat next to another guy and then eventually other people showed up and they opened the you know the store at 10 or whatever and we walked in we ordered our wheeze and then left and then i came back at midnight or whatever and walked in i was like here's my paperwork god gave bless me a you it's my like, god great. things got so like things were different here there's so many people yeah and it's like they didn't figure out that whole system until like the wii u where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you can come back later and you'll be fine. With the Wii, oh yeah. my God, me and Kevin, we were on that goddamn Target block for like, we were there from 6 p.m. until 8 a.m. the next day. And that was the longest I've ever waited for something. Yeah. Not happy about that. Sure. One of my friends decided like he needed to sleep and he, he could only sleep in his boxers, decides to sleep in his boxers in public. It's like, it was the whole thing. Why is Yeah, he asked the people next to us to borrow their sleeping bag. And then he got naked in it? Uh, in his boxers. To his boxers? Yeah. And slept in a little sleeping bag. Yeah. And we got pizza. It was a whole... It was, it was a rigor. The only time I ever that. waited on line, like would wait on line overnight for something, I guess it came to mind, is when I was in college, I would go to Fenway Park, and when the Yankees were in town, I would go to... You know, the Yankees would play in three or four game series at a time, and they'd be in town typically three times a year. Um, I would wait in line overnight. Ramon and I did it once together. Um, and but you can buy two the night before or the morning of every game. They'll distribute like 200 standing room tickets at ten dollars a piece for any game. They did. I don't know if they still do that. And so I would go to one of the games myself, and then I would buy tickets for the other ones and sell them to scalpers who would then sell them to other people and just make like a, like my and I would just make a ton of money. And because the Yankees and the Red Sox were like, that was such a, yeah. I mean, it's still a heated rivalry, but that time in 2003, 2004, 2005 was, it was fucking hitting its peak. So, um, so that was the only time I ever did it. And it was for like, you know, money. Yeah. I would sleep on like on the sidewalk next to like people and just wait and buy the tickets. And then just, there was like scalpers and they'd be like, all right, I'll give you $40 a ticket. And then they would turn around yeah. and sell them for a hundred dollars and ticket. And I just did that. Cause I was like, all right, I don't want to get arrested or anything like that. So, um, and then I would go to one of the games myself and just hang out. So have fun. Yeah. That topic brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is how we made kindoffunny.com, and I am in love with how it looks and how simple it was to make. Sites look professionally designed regardless of skill level, no coding required, intuitive and easy-to-use tools with state-of-the-art technology powering your site to ensure security and stability. Trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world, including us. Starts at $8 a month, and you get a free domain if you sign up for a year. Start your free trial site today with no credit card required at squarespace.com. Maybe if you get on it right now, you can get a website with your name without an underscore or a dot net. That'll be, that'll be a great Fuck fun you, time. Fuck you, Nick Scarpino. <laughs> you piece of garbage. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code Kind of Funny Games to get 10% off of your first purchase. Colin, take us home. Build it, beautiful. Squarespace. Thank you guys so much. This has been the first ever episode 44 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. If you have topics for us, Kind of Funny forums. No, wait, hold on. Kindoffunny.com slash gamescast topic. Yeah, do that shit. It'll be good and everything will be fun. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time, I love you, Cisco. Bye. You love Cisco? I love Cisco. I love Cisco.